0: shalom shalom everybody welcome back to another episode of the pulse of israel i am your host avi abelo here in our eternal and ancestral homeland the land of israel in our eternal and undivided capital jerusalem since king david's time today i am speaking with dr david weissman who has a vast background wait you know what david please i would like you to give over your background for for everyone so they could be able to hear from you Exactly what your expertise is, yeah, research and scientist, uh, in terms of submissions with the FDA and what you're doing today. Go right ahead, David.
1: Well, thank you, V, for having me today. Um, I um, I'm a PhD research bioscientist. I, I'm a, a UK pharmacist. I have a, a background in pharmacy pharmacology, and I have a PhD in experiment experimental pathology. I uh, was one of the top scientists at Johnson & Johnson, uh, one of the top 66 research fellows um, at the time, and I started my own business 25 years ago uh, doing R&D consulting, helping develop medical products, drugs, uh, devices, biologics that included all all range of uh, types of studies, including submissions to the FDA. So that's what I've done, and what I'm going to do today is review for you from a drug development person's perspective, what, what's what been going on with the vaccines, uh, particularly, um, and what's been going on at the FDA and the CDC, and very uh, critical information that I think everyone should know. So that's really um, probably a unique perspective that you're not going to hear from most people, um, but I hope it will be informative.
0: Yes, uh, this is extremely important information, I am very glad that you uh, reached out to me a week ago. I was blown away by the amount of knowledge you have and again you have done your own deep dive over a good amount of time and you can go more into detail about that specifically into this covid and uh vaccine uh information and you have much more information than what any of us are given on definitely not by via the media or what we're being told by our politicians behind the scenes of what's going on so please let's let's see what you have to say david
1: okay so let me share my screen it's over here okay can you see that okay yes so um in a few hours you will be singing this song whose last verse one of the last verses is Ali. the greeks are amassing against me David, I love that you're
0: bringing in our Torah and Jewish holidays to help us uh, better understand this
1: situation. That's amazing. So we have Alpha, the Beta, the Gamma, Delta, Lambda, Mu, and now we have Omicron. So um, I don't know what all that means, but uh, I thought it was important to bring, uh, as you say, bring um, a, a shtickle Torah into, this, into the discussion. But what I'm really going to talk about is um five main things that i think everyone needs to know about um particularly with regard to the vaccines for the children uh, but it spills over in great amount into um into the vaccines in general for, for, for for adults and and these are the top five things that i think people need to know um when when talking about this first of all everyone is really following the fda the whole world whatever the fda american food and drug administration does and their job is to determine whether something is safe and effective in order to allow that thing on the market everyone regards the fda as the gold standard of regulation so many countries including israel take the lead in 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 many respects from the fda so whatever's going on at the fda we need to learn about in order to um, determine other countries what, what, what they might be doing. In fact, it turns out the FDA is, is largely dependent on Israel's data, and we'll talk about that as well. But the first thing you need to know, above everything else, because the conversation really should stop at this point, is that the vaccine, the children's vaccines for the Pfizer vaccine, the data for it has been unverified by the FDA. They have not checked the numbers. This is basic, check the maths. They haven't even checked the maths to see if they add up. At that point, the conversation ends. Because if, if they haven't checked the maths, how can any pronouncement made? be made at that point? So we could just stop the entire presentation now and Dianu, this, this would be enough.
0: And you're okay. referring
1: specifically but, to data regarding the children's vaccine. Yeah. Um, Yes, although for the Janssen booster vaccine, uh, the second dose for the Janssen, I know I don't think they, you have that in Israel, but the Janssen, uh, Johnson & Johnson one, uh, much of that data had not been verified either by the FDA. As, and we don't know about any of the other other uh, uh, vaccines or any, any, any of the other data. But at least in those two instances, um, I'll show you in a moment. Um, why I'm saying that that we have specific explicit wording from the FDA that says that. this is not me inferring anything or getting it from some weirdo website. This is from the FDA's words directly. okay? so that's question number one. Question number two um, if uh, is again if we hadn't had that, it would be enough. but we also have that they've changed the formulation for that this is again the the Pfizer. They've changed the formulation from the one that was used in the, all the clinic in the in the clinical studies, for the adult, the clinical studies for the children. And as far as you know, all the safety studies, they've changed the formulation for everyone. Okay. What and does that and mean? they haven't done it. The 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 when the, the, um, the liquid the solution that the lipid nanoparticles, these little lipid fatty bubbles which contain the messenger RNA, the, the, the solution in which that is um, suspended uh, has been changed from um, one type of um, solution to a different kind of solution, okay? And they've done it apparently in order to in promote, in improve the stability of the of the vaccine, either in the storage, uh, you know, stripping and storage uh, phases, or while, while it's been diluted or, or prepared for use, on the actual day of use and and is sitting around for several hours in the doctor's office between one person getting a vaccine in the morning and another person getting the vaccine in the afternoon so they've ch- they've changed the formulation and they claim it's a very minor formulation change and fda agrees with them and and they've done just basic chemistry kinds of tests to show that the old and the new formulations are equivalent what they haven't done is biological tests to show that they're equivalent either safety-wise or efficacy-wise. And I can tell you again this is from a person that's been there and done that that some that things that people think are just minor changes could end up could end up to be major changes and have major consequences to either the safety or the efficacy or both. And they haven't done any of those sorts of tests. So I'm going to describe that in more detail. But 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 they've changed the formulation for everyone, and if that wasn't enough, dienu, right? We have I mean, there's how many dienu's are there? 18. We could probably come up with 18, right? So um, they've also done something called a risk-benefit analysis, which which is which is what everyone should be doing, which is to determine the balance between the risks of using the vaccine in children versus the uh, benefits of using the vaccine in children and and what i'm going to show you shortly is that their calculation is i believe off by at least 26 times in the wrong direction meaning they're, they're showing a risk, a benefit of using the vaccines by 6.6 times but when you divide that by 26 it comes out to a more uh, a, a risk greater risk by four times more than there is benefit wow. so that's a huge that's a huge difference and, and i'll explain that to you as well the fourth point again Dino. if that wasn't enough we would also we have this that that um these vac this vaccine has not been tested for a risk of cancer so because the the, the risk is potentially due to um, changes in, in in a person's DNA or RNA, um, those sorts of changes could lead to cancer. And so those sorts of changes also are induced in a, in a broadly similar ma- manner to radiation. So, in order to make this something that people can understand, words that people can relate to, I've I've called this an un, unevaluated radiation-like risk of cancer. That's something that people need to know. These things have not been tested for that, and, and, and that's a huge problem. Again, and if that all all of that wasn't enough, Daino, right? Then what's going on now, especially with the the variants and the fact that uh, there's waning immunity, there's less and less efficacy likely with um, the, the, the the vaccine against the new new newer, newer variants. Uh, what you're doing is you're throwing boosters with with more and more risk of of, damage, of of adverse events to get less and less benefit um, and so this is again trying to put this in words that people can relate to this is i believe the immunological equivalent of heroin addiction The immunological equivalent of heroin addiction. So now, so for boosters,
0: are you referring still just to children? Are you referring to the boosters for people? No, no, this will be for
1: everyone. Yeah, because the children have not yet. I mean, they, um, you know, according to the sort of like the guidelines or whatever, um, I think most certainly the five to eleven year olds. uh, That's only just begun, and then even the twelve year olds. Perhaps some of those would qualify now. But yes, but 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 whoever would be quali- who would eventually be uh eligible let's say for for a booster that would that would apply to anyone anyone who would be eligible for a booster
0: i have to um, say uh, the- to be honest it is very very um jarring to hear you a researcher and scientist making that analogy of of these vaccine booster shots as the equivalent of heroin addiction because I have seen people talk about and uh, question in shock at how all of our lives, we were always taught just say no to drugs and hear people looking at our governments and medical establishments pushing these boosters as uh, as, as drug dealers.
1: Right, right. actually, I, I didn't think about that to so just say no uh, campaign, but yes, that would be, uh... That I think that would be very appropriate uh, actually yes I, I hadn't thought about hadn't hadn't taken it to that extent but yes, I think that's that's a very uh, that that's a very good good observation so but in all of that, why is all that happening and in in the red box here, um I believe what's happened is that that the in the drug development process of the of the people developing these drugs, that they've discarded standard safeguards that we that we include in, in in what we in how we develop drugs, and you know we're all familiar with 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 kashrut, even whether someone's very religious or not religious at all. The Israeli public, I think, is is familiar with the idea that there's that that food has to be kosher and uh and it's supervised by 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 uh, by rabbis and so on and so forth all the way from the Beginning of its production until it gets to someone's uh, plate, okay. And and anyone who even understands a, a small amount of, of of the process of Kashrut understands all the safeguards that are built in uh, in in the whole process uh, to make sure a food is kosher. A similar kind of thing exists for the development of drugs. We have all kinds of safeguards from the beginning of the design of the drug until until it gets uh, gets to the patients and 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 many of those safeguards analogous again to the process of of of, of kashrut or the, the 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 uh the, the administration of kashrut okay many of those safeguards have been have been i think abandoned and and that includes not just at the in the manufacturer's point of view but also in the regulatory, at the regulatory, end, by the regulators. So not only do we have, as it were, the deal the 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 producers of the food, okay, but we also have the have the Vada kashrut, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Absent without absent without leave. Um, and I'm going to show you reasons why I believe that to be um, true. And so all of that combined um, brings me to the conclusion that there is little, or perhaps even no. Support for continued vaccination, and certainly none for any kind of mandate that that forces people in various ways wow. to, to to accept the mandate. So, so if you have one slide, this is the slide, and this is you know um, our regular on one leg, okay. Can you just go back a
0: second to to point number two when you wrote changed untested formulation for everyone? Why is is that a problem? So people will say, all right, they changed it, but the FDA says it's okay. So they changed it
1: as more information. I'm I'm going to go into detail why that, when you change the formulation, it could change how the drug works, okay? It could change how it gets into the body. I mean, once you've injected it, how it gets distributed around the body it, how it distributes to different organs within the body okay and that could change how it how it acts effic- efficacy wise and how it acts safety wise that's the first point the second point which is actually even even a, a more more mundane point than that is that the the reason given for doing this formula, making this formulation change is to improve the stability of the product Meaning we have, uh, you know, we have our, our uh, vial of a of, of, of vaccine that, that started off in a factory. It has to be frozen at a very low temperature. Um, I mean, much lower than a regular type of freezer, um, and then transported, and then and then stored in another location, and then thawed out. And all those uh, stages in the use of the product are places where the temperature of the vial could not would might not be the optimum temperature to ensure that that product still remains good and stable, okay? And so they say by changing the formulation, they're able to uh, have less rigorous types of temperature conditions that are less prone to ac- or say temperature accidents, okay? So you may actually improve the stability of the product, but what that might mean is that until now, Many batches or many individual vials of vaccine may not have had the full effective dose that they plan to have because some of the vial has degraded, has, has, has sort of you know gone bad as it were, um, or at least least gone inactive. Let's use that term. okay until now. So let's say that th- it was a 30 microgram dose. It doesn't matter what a microgram is, but the number 30 is the, is the dose so until now the the nominal dose the theoretical full dose has been 30 micrograms okay now it could have been in a variable fashion depending on where you are how it got shipped how it got stored that some people may only have got 25 micrograms or 20 or 10 or 15 micrograms because of storage problems so now you come along and you say right we're going to improve the stability Okay, and we're going to change by changing the formulation so that more people, so that we let there'll be fewer stability problems so that more people will get the the 30 microgram dose than we're getting it before the effect effectively the 30 microgram dose than they were getting before. So if if more people are getting a higher dose effectively, it means it could mean better efficacy, but it could also mean worse safety because more people are getting a higher dose effectively got it so
0: so i guess my question really is how do you know that this changed formulation is untested and therefore Because because, because,
1: because they've said so because they've said so because because they've only they've only tested they've only done what are called analytical comparability tests which means they've gone in a laboratory and they've measured how much messenger RNA there is with the new formulation. They've measured how many these lipid nanoparticles, certain aspects, the size and the number and so on of these lipid nanoparticles. But what they haven't done is say, okay, that's great. But now you have to put it into at least an animal or at least the cell culture, right? To see what actually, what is the practical application of that? What is the practical application? It's like they've taken a ruler and they've measured the, you know, the size of the, you know, the ruler, and it, obviously oh, it's six inches. That's great. So I've I've got two cell phones here, you know, and they sort of more or less look the same, and they've got the same size, and they've got the same width, and they weigh more or less the same. Okay, that, I'm going to call that analytical comparability. But this cell phone works much better than this cell phone because of the, you know, the, the electronics and whatever whatever in it. But I won't know that until I actually use it in an actual practical situation. If all I've done is measure that they they look they're black and they've got the same dimensions, that's that's a nice start for sure. But I need to test that practically to see if the one performs better than the other. Do I get better reception? Do I get better camera pictures? Yeah. Whatever it whatever it is, do I get faster internet? Whatever it is, I don't know that until I test it. And 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 I can tell you having done this sort of thing before, that that we always get surprised. And if I was in Pfizer six months ago, or whenever it was, when they said, Oh, wow, we better improve the stability, let's change the formulation, by the way, it's a formulation, more similar to the Moderna one, that the the, 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 the many of the ingredients are very similar to the Moderna one, let's change the formulation, I would have been ready to to answer questions from the FDA. Is this safety and efficacy similar to the old formulation? And in order to do that, I would have already began at least animal studies. I may have even started some clinical studies with the new formulation. But certainly at the, at the minimum, I would have done animal studies to show in basic tests that the, that the drug, the, the lipids distribute the same way around the body. I mean that's, that's that's a fundamental question. And, and and so to me the fact they've not reported it they they've not if they've done those tests they haven't told told anyone about it but but if if they haven't done the tests that's completely I find that completely amazing because I know that I would have been in there you know um, doing those tests and I would have those data ready because FDA may well ask me for the for the, for the answers to those questions. Right. So, so it's it's inconceivable that they didn't do them. I can't prove to you that they did, but it seems it seems unlikely that they did. Okay, so we're good so far. Yes or not? Yes. So, so with all of that, again, I'm trying to put this into um, into sort of a, 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 an idea that people can understand. Imagine that you had a a child's safety seat. And I've got it in Hebrew and English here. A child's safety seat for an automobile. And on the label, you know, it says the following. That the car seat is 91% effective at reducing children's automobile accident injuries. But the government has not checked our testing methods, our testing results. And the testing we did was with a different car seat to the one that that we're selling you. And the government agree with us that the changes we made are minor, even though we did no crash dummy tests. Okay, now, would you put your child in such a car seat? No. So why would you give them a vaccine that basically says the same thing? I mean, is that how difficult is that for anyone to understand? Unfortunately,
0: too difficult, much too difficult for too many people. And it's very sad.
1: So, so I'm going to now explain to you, I'm going to give you the, like the actual wording and so on that backs up all the things that I've mentioned to you. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to skip here. Oh, well, here's a, here's an important slide because, you know, patients are getting their information from their doctors, their medical societies and so on. And 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 I I would almost be almost be certain that most doctors do not know the basic fundamental data from where all the claims are derived. They haven't read the original scientific papers or scientific reports because they don't have time. And this is showing you the the scale of the information that we're getting on COVID. And and this top part here looks at something called PubMed, which is the main Repository or listing of medical scientific articles, and as of a week ago, it's now more than this. There were there were 199,000. There's over 200,000 medical scientific papers in the mainstream literature on COVID. Okay, that's a huge amount of number of papers. That's about 400 a day. Okay, what I try to do every day, although I get backed up a few days, is scan the titles just to scan the titles to understand what's in the universe of of what people are talking about so that's about 400 a day and then from there i choose 10 to 15 where i read the the, like the summary the abstract and from there i might choose one two or three to read in more detail the paper that's a huge amount of information on top of anything that gets onto fda websites and that type of thing so so most doctors are getting their Condensed information that has been highly filtered, highly selected from FDA, CDC, their medical societies, the newspapers, and so on. But but almost certainly they haven't they haven't done what I've done, and almost certainly they haven't scanned, scanned the, 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 the looked at in more detail the, the, the particular studies. So so so, in sort of fairness to the doctors, that's what they've been faced with, and they have to treat patients. Okay. So so I would think that most doctors are very competent, very um, you know caring and, and professional doctors, but 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 they need to really understand this in much greater detail, and that's where I come in. So um, so here is something called a risk benefit analysis, and again I've tried to make this sort of graphical so people can understand it, but this is again showing the the balance between art, this. And this is now talking about children specifically. Um, so FDA here calculated different scenarios, but in their most extreme scenario, they calculated a 6.6 times benefit of the vaccines in the 5 to 11-year-old uh, children over, over the risk. That's what they calculated. Okay, and there's different uh, components of that that get into that number. Okay, but what we've done here is we've dissected the various components, and I'm, I'm going I'm to illustrate two. And shown that, they've, that, that there's a 26-fold error. They've removed 26 from the equation, as it were, right? And now, rather than being a 6.6 benefit over risk on the bottom right side, you can see that there's a four times risk more than benefit. Okay, and 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 this is a fairly modest uh, assessment that we've done. We could even be more aggressive than this, and, and it could even be a much bigger bigger number in the in the in the in the in the risk uh column but but just in, in a fairly modest um scenario we can see they're off in the wrong direction by 26 times okay and i'm gonna and and you can sort of see the balance there and there's lots of different components which we don't have time to go into except i'm going to show you two and this is one of them this is this is fda's risk benefit and one of the one of the risk benefit analysis uh, slides and and the bottom part here is Pfizer's own data these are Pfizer's own numbers okay and using the numbers in the red uh, circles um we calculate how many cases of Covid not just not serious Covid but Covid in general how many cases of Covid would be prevented by using the vaccine according to Pfizer's own numbers okay and the maths are there i'm not going to go into it anyone can do it for themselves later but the maths are there and using these numbers you see this number here 21,833 in the black uh, box over here 21,000 so that's nearly 22,000 okay now you got that 22,000 you you got that in your head now yeah. look at, look at this column here the blue uh, oval you you see the number. This is FDA's calculation. This is not mine. FDA's calculation. How many cases? This is per million. Uh, both of these are all per million uh, uh, children. How many cases do they estimate would be prevented by using the COVID vaccine in children? And other than scenario three, which we don't need to talk about, all these numbers are 45, 054, 58, 46 and forty uh, five 45 and 45, 000 so very approximately, you can see just do the math, Twenty, you know, those numbers, fifty-four divided by twenty-one, you have ratios of about between two point one and two point seven. Meaning, using Pfizer's own data, Pfizer's own data, not mine, not yours, FDA on this one one measure alone are off by nearly. Actually, it's revised because CDC gave us the revised numbers. But between two and a quarter and two um and, and nearly three times. They're off by nearly three times. They have overestimated how many cases would have been prevented by COVID using Pfizer's own numbers. That's astounding. Okay, that's just simply astounding is this normal is is this should it
0: be zero like give us perspective on on other research projects
1: or or drugs I, that are given I, I don't, that I, you know I, of that you're involved in over the years um well i've never had to be in this this particular situation to calculate this kind of um uh, calculation because we we've, we've dealt with much more riskier situations that that no one really needs to do these sorts of calculations but so but but, but I mean this is just basic maths this is basic math you can you can you know you know you can just see here you can do the calculation um the, the numbers there everyone can look at it they can they can store this slide they can do they can check the maths for themselves and they can compare the 21800 and some Cases with the numbers in this first column in the blue, okay? They're off. They're wrong. I mean, you, you know, it's not a question of what what is normal. The normal is be right. The normal is use numbers that make sense from other numbers. Okay. Now, I mean, that's before I even challenge the Pfizer numbers. But even if the Pfizer numbers are good numbers, okay, FDA are off by nearly three times in in some cases. Okay. that's that that's just, and that's just one measure. That went into the risk benefit analysis so is it normal is it normal for people to make mistakes no it's not normal is it normal for people to not use their brains no it's not normal okay we that that, yeah, that, that that's the level of the your, your question is operating on a much higher level oh is it normal in drug development that's a we don't even begin to get into that question is it normal to for people to make a, a an outrageous error like this no it's not is it acceptable no it's not and you're saying this is this is a
0: basic arithmetic error yeah, look, upon you get which the. calculator out. Do health it. You, do it. you want to right. you get your calculator decisions out? are being made on an incorrect incorrect uh, mathematical
1: conclusion what, what, the, i mean the math i mean you get your calculator up the decision or this these these scenarios uh were w- w- the basis for the decision by FDA to approve or authorize the children's vaccine? Pfizer particularly liked scenario number four for various reasons. okay in that scenario four um they uh, the, 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 on this measure they were off by 2.7 times. In fact it's really 2.9 I think when 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 you use the revised CDC numbers. but on this measure alone, okay? So this this was one of the key selling points right to the to the fda advisory panel oh. as to why uh why that there's there's a benefit over risk of the vaccine because they're trying to compare myocarditis and and so on by the way the other one of the other thing is his fda only used as a risk factor myocarditis hmm. they didn't use any of the other serious adverse events Um, that we've got from the VAERS, from the vaccine adverse reporting system, okay, and and just looking at serious, what are categorized as serious adverse events, there are approximately similar numbers to the myocarditis numbers of other non-myocarditis serious events, approximately equal, not exactly, but basically on that component alone, they're off by a factor of two. So now you're off by a factor of, Nearly three for this this uh, calculation we did a moment ago. We're off by another factor of two. Okay, so now that's t- two times three. I think you can figure that one out, right? Wow. Is six. They're off by six. Just just over here. Just over here. And by the way, once you're off by six, um, the, the the in their most um, extreme scenario in the in the light blue circles. Uh, they calculate now. We're looking at preventable hospitalised cases. A difference between 192 and 29 cases, which is a pro, which is 6.6. So already, I've given you close to the six, the six, the six that cancels out this six or this 6.6, and that's before we get into other areas. So just on those two measures alone, w- w- you know, the whole thing fails. Um, putting aside the
0: arithmetic and the risk numbers i think an even bigger issue is the fact that pfizer itself is being dishonest with everyone only taking into consideration one out of the out of the many many health risks that have been reported then therefore making their number of potential risks skewed so much lower
1: this is fda i, I mean this is fda's this is not F- Pfizer. This is FDA. Oh, F- FDA.
0: Okay, so the
1: FDA is ignoring all the
0: other real right, data right. numbers of all the risks and the real right. numbers, and that's only what I'm that's in the twofold thing that I mentioned to you a moment ago.
1: Yes. Right. Right.
0: No. That that that's just my that's
1: that's just mind boggling. Yeah. 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 So 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 that's so that I've given you two of the components. There are others, but this one is this one is is I, I find. Um, just completely arrogant, frankly, and and this is the slide, the basic slide, other than my, you know, commentary that I've pl- placed on it, is the CDC slide, the Centers of Disease Control, whose job it is is to make clinical recommendations about the use of the vaccines after FDA have given their approval. And so here, CDC in the, in the green um, highlight that I put, estimates that there are 42%, and it could be higher now, of children in that age age range who are seroprevalent, meaning they have antibodies to, to COVID, the COVID virus. Okay? And so if someone has antibodies, we assume that they have some level of protection, some level of protection. We don't know what that is. So the question is, well, how much of that 42% are we going to include in our risk-benefit analysis? Are you going to say, well, all of these 42% people are are, are protected, or maybe some of them are protected? Um, they haven't even account allowed for one out of those 42% to be protected, as it were, in, in their risk-benefit analysis that we just showed you. They're not even allowed one. They've gone from 42 to zero. It's as if they're saying that the, the Pfizer vaccine is not just 42 times better than Evolution, right? Or uh, you know where we've come from—amoeba to 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 dinosaurs to monkeys to people—or as I would put it, and I'm sure you would put it, 42 times better than God. They're saying this is infinitely better than an evolution, and I would say they're saying it is infinitely better than God. Infinitely better than God thank god pfizer have shown up after billions of years of evolution and after god's designed the world in the way he does and finally pfizer's come up here and they said okay we can outdo all of this infinitely better okay you have a problem with that you have a problem with that i have a big problem with that yeah of course i mean it's it's completely it's completely Get, don't give me 1% give me, you won't even give me 1% this is this is this is the, this is the this is the this is just how crazy this it it is now they're perfectly happy by the way to look at antibody levels when when induced by the vaccine to make certain comparisons, uh, you know to put to, to 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 justify the boosted doses, but again, this is all the basic information is the CDC information. Okay now. What? What? what, Just going back to
0: that slide, that point, and again, I'm I'm a layman, just listening and following scientists and doctors. And what really upsets me about that last point that you said is, on the one hand, I have no problem with science developing, right? That's what science is. It's always learning and developing right. and questioning and growing, etc. That's right. That's why I, I don't believe in this, believe in the science, because science always changes, right? Just whatever right. you believe right. in, 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 whatever you follow where the science takes you, there's nothing to believe. But here we're being told that Pfizer is telling us, according to what you're saying, that The vaccine is infinitely better than natural immunity, whereas, one, there is no proof for that. And two, that goes in the face of everything that biology, virology, et cetera, et cetera, science has has taught scientists and doctors forever, that natural immunity Uh, has immunity more than anything that man can ever develop. Now, if one day maybe they develop something, maybe, but one, there's no proof of it, and two, you're just gonna. Everyone is just gonna allow thousands of years of scientific information, which which believed in the natural immunity of man better than anything else, and just throw it out the window without any question marks whatsoever. Which is exactly what we're experiencing. Right,
1: right. But again, 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 the the, the hypocrisy of it is in when they've when they've been approving or authorizing the booster doses. They've done so on the basis largely on the antibody levels that that are produced after using the booster doses, and everyone has said. I mean, these specific words that everyone from Janet Woodcock, the head of the FDA, to to Peter Marks, to Doran Fink, main very uh, important characters in the FDA, to to the companies themselves. This is this is not uh, not under dispute. They all say we have no immune correlate of protection, meaning if they measure antibodies that, that are, that are a level of 100 or 200, 500, whatever those numbers mean, we can't actually c- connect that number to how much protection someone has. But they're perfectly happy and willing and, and, and to, to accept those numbers as being somewhat indicative of some level of protection when it comes to approving the booster doses. Right. But right over here, when we have levels of antibodies, right, when have been generated through natural immunity, that's all gone down the wind, out the window. So it's not even it's not even a consistent position. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, well, oh, yes, we know there's this problem of no correlate, immune correlate of protection, but we're willing to overlook that when we want to approve boosters. But over here, we can't even allow for one percent of 42 percent of of children to be protected somewhat in their calculation it's it's a it's a completely hypocritical argument
0: right right and again i don't know if you want to touch upon this but the other piece of information that has gone out there specifically with regards to natural immunity is uh studies from israel that have proven that with because with all the data in israel from the shots that have proven that natural immunity is a vastly more uh powerful i think this studies officially say 13 times more uh more powerful and effective than the immunity from the shots right. and right. That, that's, that, the, that, that's being t- discussed all over the world and somehow in israel it's been shunned
1: and it's not being told to the israeli right government. well that's the i think the first author on that study was Gazit. i think um but but to, to back up that point that you're making here this is this is now, now we just had a, we talked about FDA. Now we're talking about, well, we're going to talk about CDC here. So this is a freedom of information request that was made uh, recently uh, from, um, to the CDC to provide various pieces of information about um, effectively natural immunity. In other words, if someone has, has had COVID, they've recovered, can they transmit the, can they transmit the disease um, uh, and so on. Can they can they get the disease again, etc. Uh, etc. Et and the, and and this is a critical piece of information that we need to know. This is absolutely critical to 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 plug into this whole risk-benefit analysis problem that we have, whether it's for children, whether it's for adults. Okay, and this is the question that, that the the Freedom of Information request uh, addressed. Okay, and f and CDC's response here in the in the red uh, in, in in the red highlights is that. The search of their records failed to re- reveal any documents relating to these questions. Not only that, the CDC said that they they don't even collect that information. Hmm. Meaning, they're not even doing that research. They're not even doing the research. It's not even a question that they've tried to address. This is a fun. This is perhaps one of the most important questions in this whole pandemic. How much natural immunity is there, uh, you know, can it, Can, can it? you know, if someone's got COVID, they recover, can they transmit the disease? So yes. all these things are relating to natural immunity. And in the black box at the bottom here, this is basically CDC's mission. They say CDC works, I put it in red there, uh, you know, to protect America from health, health threats. To accomplish their mission, they conduct critical science. Well, up. Uh, if if that wasn't critical science, I don't know what is. This is critical. We know this this piece of information in order to answer these questions about natural immunity, and yet CDC have gone completely absent without leave. Absent without leave. We need to know the answer, and they're not even collecting the information. So don't start. You know, oh uh, you know, this immunity is better than that immunity. You you can't even begin to answer that question until you answer until you even begin to collect the data. They're not even collecting the data. This is this is this is just sheer lunacy. Wow. Okay, these are these are their words. This is this is a letter from the CDC. I didn't make this letter up. Okay, this is their mission. I mean, I I put dot dot dots because there's other words in between. But you can read what the dot dots are and make sure I haven't taken it out of context. Okay, but but this is CDC. This is CDC. I I mean, this is frightening. The the, the doctors who are recommending the vaccine to their patients—do they know this? No, they don't know this. And and so I. There was a CDC meeting last week, week oh a week and a half ago, um, that w- that was another booster dose meeting, and and the chair, and this Dr. Lee, Dr. Grace Lee, gave a little speech at the end of the meeting. Oh, it's very important that we have transparency and we have uh, you know the airing of diverse opinions and so on and so forth. And and, and I wrote a, an open letter to her. Uh, which was published on trial site news. I emailed it to her, I I posted it on the CDC website, and I have not yet received the honor of her reply. Um, Now, let's talk about FDA for a minute. Um, This is a former FDA, very senior uh, FDA official, Dr. Gortler, David Gortler. And he wrote a couple of weeks ago the following article which was entitled the FDA failed in its duty to ensure vaccines are safe for children. This is someone who, you know, wasn't just making the tea at the FDA. This is a person who was appointed by the White House at one point to to the FDA senior executive leadership team as a senior advisor to the FDA commissioner for drug safety. Do you, so you know which White one, House or what years? Um. I can't, I can't remember if it was Trump or the one before or, or Obama. I don't recall, but uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever it was, he, he, he's no—he's no uh, lightweight. Okay. And this is—and this. No, and I this, was
0: asking because people who would assume who, who pe- if it was a Trump appointee, people would dismiss him just because he was a Trump appointee. Yeah, that's true. I, you know asking. what?
1: I I I I need to do that homework. I apologize, uh, someone can look it up. I, I can, can look, look it up. You keep top. on talking. I'll look it up. Okay, just get that answer. Fine. Um, and um. So now you asked me earlier uh, about the data not being verified. And you say, does this apply specifically to the children's vaccine? And here and here's your answer. Okay. Now these are two of I think 23 analyses, or or three of 23 analyses that were presented to regarding the Janssen booster dose uh, on October the 15th. And these are slides prepared by the FDA. These are FDA slides. They are what they're doing at this meeting. They're reviewing the Janssen data and they're presenting it to the advisory committee. And they're going through the various analyses that Janssen did. And and the red boxes you can see that say that these are Janssen analyses, but they but they have not been verified by the FDA. and and this is not just on these slides there are there are a total of i I guess 23 analyses different types of analyses that were done that have basically the similar type of wording 23 analyses and and one of the panel members at the committee meeting asked the fda what do you mean you didn't verify the analysis isn't that your job (laughs) and and the fda said well you know yes it is our job but you know what? We thought that the Janssen were going to come to us with a 200 patient study that we would have to look at. Instead, they had the absolute nerve to show up with actual data. What a concept, right? They actually showed up with data with 20 or 30 thousand patients that we that would have taken us a month to go through. So we didn't go through them because this was an emergency. So we just so we just accepted what they had to say and 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 just because we want to be so transparent because we're such big sadiqim, right we're going to put we're going to put on the bottom here uh that we didn't verify the data wow okay by and the it, way it, i came
0: up with the information about dr yes. david gortlett yes gortler it says that he worked at the fda as a senior medical analyst from 2007 to 2011 and as a senior advisor to the FDA commissioner from 2019
1: to 2021. Okay, so that last part was in recently then. So what, 2021, does that include even the Biden administration? Yes, okay, so. but so it that...
0: sounds like if 2019, it was a Trump appointee. Yeah, yeah. But before that, he was your advisor. Yeah, okay. But he was there before, way before Trump. He was there back in 2007. Right, right, right,
1: right. Um, okay. Fine. Well good. Thank you for for that. Right. So, he was
0: he's the first ever pharmacist, pharmacologist to have ever been appointed a senior advisor to a commissioner in the FDA's 120-year history. I don't know if that's important. Okay, please continue. Okay.
1: Well, I'm a pharmacist, so that's that's good. So so um So you have a chance to make it to be the
0: senior commission advisor senior commissioner to the advisor. Or whatever of the fda
1: yeah i have a chance yeah yeah i have a chance what do you think my chances are what do you think after, uh, <laughs> after the after this uh the live video probably zero <laughs> um <clears throat> so you never know the crazy things yeah you know, this i have said from the beginning i mean 18 months ago that this whole thing is a purim spiel this whole thing is of, I, I I mean, they're just like, even the, for those of who stuff, do
0: not know Hebrew or Jewish vernacular, it means like a whole, a whole Purim joke, like a joke,
1: it's yeah, not, not reality, more, it's a whole joke. But more, but more than that, more than that that, 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 you know, things that you take as being for granted could be reversed, you know, at a moment's notice, uh, you know, from one, from one uh, sort of extreme to another. Right. so 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 in that respect i suppose it in my Purim spiel analogy i suppose it could be possible that i could become the whatever the senior advisor to the uh, <laughs> to the uh, fda commissioner but anyway yeah, yeah. Um, but, but just to, just so you understand what verified means in this context what does that actually mean what does it mean that just only they sell, oh yes it came in a nice envelope or what does it mean so it means that the the the, the, the company supplies the, the FDA with their data in you know computer f- format, and the first thing the FDA has to do is to just make sure the numbers add up properly. That's that's the first thing. Just make sure the numbers add up when they say the average is this, the the, the, the range is this, whatever the basic numbers, the maths are good. Okay. The next thing you have to do is verify that the the basic statistical tests that they've done are also accurate. The next thing they have to do, which is probably even more, I mean, it's all important, is they have to go through the numbers and say, well, you know, um, Pfizer or J- Janssen in this case did a certain analysis and they came to a certain conclusion based on the analysis. We think they should have analyzed the numbers in this and this and this different way. And we come up with a different analysis. Okay. These are all things that the FDA should and, and would be doing. And that's, you know, that's standard practice. Okay, they haven't done any of that here. They haven't even verified that the numbers are good. Okay, if there's even even math math mistakes, which could happen. Okay, this is for the Janssen booster dose. Now, um, in Israel, you don't you don't have Janssen, do you? Right? No,
0: we only have
1: Pfizer. Pfizer.
0: They spoke about bringing some Moderna. I haven't heard about anyone getting Moderna yet, but it's mostly all Pfizer here.
1: Okay, so. So now we're going to talk about Pfizer and now specifically we're going to be talking about the children okay so so in this slide this is one of three basic slides that again this is an FDA slide presenting to the advisory committee FDA's analysis so to quote unquote of the Pfizer data so this is other than the the, the words that I've added as commentary the basic slide is an FDA slide not my slide okay and, and this is, there was one analysis that didn't have these words at the bottom, but this one did. And it says the assay was not validated. And the, and the numbers have not been verified by the FDA. So there's actually That's two crazy. Parts. It's an FDA slide where they admit on the slide
0: that the analysis was not verified by them.
1: Correct. That's there. Those, those are their words. You can go on the internet. You can look this up. You don't have to take my word for it. Okay. All uh, right, this is all on, go to the FDA website, October the 26th meeting, meeting materials, look for the different presentations, this one I think was done by Dr Ball, Leslie Ball, I think uh, the, her name was, and uh, and you can look this up, you can see this for yourself, okay, the analysis was not verified by the FDA, okay, um, as, and, and you're going to inject 28 American, uh, 28 million American children based on that. And I'm a parent, I say, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Okay. And then on the next slide, is there. So the first slide was to do with antibody levels. This slide is actually to do with the actual efficacy. How well did this vaccine work in children to prevent COVID? And we've actually used some of these numbers on an earlier slide uh, to make a different point. But you see here, Three out of thirteen hundred five children develop COVID, uh, not serious COVID, in the vaccine group in the first column, and sixteen out of six hundred sixty three in the placebo group. Okay, and from that they calculate the number to the right of that, ninety point seven percent efficacy. Now, the again, look at the bottom there, Abby. I think you can read. It says analysis not verified by the FDA and yep. you are going to base your entire case your risk benefit case your mandating children in some cases i think in california to, that they to go to school they have to be vaccinated asking rabbi Kaniewski to to make a pronouncement that school teachers you know have to be vaccinated or lose their jobs or something like that i don't remember exactly what it said but but, but essentially based on this now you can see that the numbers 3 and 16 are not very far apart. Okay, I think most people understand that in the context of 1300 and 600 in the in in the basic, you know, population that they studied, those numbers are not very different. You don't have to be wrong by very many, right? Even 2, 3 or 4, right? For those numbers to to change so that that 90.7% efficacy comes down to a number much lower than that even even to zero okay you don't have to be off by very much you don't have to make that, don't don't have to have made very much of a mistake even an innocent mistake right to be off that's why it's even more important that the fda verify the analysis it's always important but even more important in this particular case given that given all the things we've said and the stakes are so high you know, I'm going to go in a spaceship, and uh, you know, and I'm an astronaut, and the uh, get in the, get in the astronaut, you know, cockpit, and uh, and the guy comes over the microphone. Oh yeah, have a good trip to Mars. By the way, we didn't check the numbers of how much fuel you got in the in the rocket. You know, I, w- I would wouldn't be that impressed at that point, would I? Okay, so now. What are the sources of why those three and the six? So you you got this point, out I mean, this is. Do you see how big this is? Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 decisions are being made based on three and sixteen. That's it. That's it. That's the decision. Three and sixteen. I mean, can you get? Can you see? I mean, am I like? <laughs> am I the only one? Now, so here's some. I'm going to tell you some reasons why those numbers could be wrong. Innocently, now you've heard you've been brainwashed in the last year and a half that the gold standard is a double-blinded, randomized clinical study. You've heard that expression, correct? Double-blind. All the time. All the time. Unless it's double-blind, randomized clinical study, it doesn't mean anything, right? You've heard that many, many times, especially when we're talking about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and so on and so forth now what does that mean double-blinded it means that that everyone all the doctors at every stage of the of the the clinical study the doctors giving the drug the doctors evaluating you know uh, the clinical outcomes the patient right everyone mustn't know no one must know what the actual drug was that was given because even innocently and No, no, no one's trying to claim that they're deliberately trying to fix the results, but even innocently, there could be biases that come in to the experiment that could subtly change, you know, how the person acts, do they, are they going to be more, you know, if they think, oh, I got the vaccine, you know, maybe I should be more careful, um, you know, uh, not to go out and, uh, you know, not to to go to big parties or whatever or maybe I should take more vitamin D or something, right? They could be influenced even subtly by, by knowledge or suspected knowledge that they received the vaccine. That's why double blinding is very important, and it can also affect the investigators themselves because the investigators could make certain decisions along the course of the study. I've been in this situation where, where you're faced, you know, do you exclude someone from the analysis or include them in the analysis? Based on things that normal things that happen, accidents and, and occurrences happen during clinical studies that, that require the investigator to make those sorts of decisions, right? Um, again, no one's deliberately trying to fix anything. These are just normal things that can happen, right? The investigator must not know what the person received because they could be influenced by their knowledge of what they received. So they have, they have to, that has to be out of the equation. So that's why double blinding is really important. Now, it now let's say let's show you where where an accident could happen. This is the children's study, and you see in the red circle that 47 children were excluded from the analysis, versus four in that was in the vaccine group, four in the placebo group. They were excluded due to uh, errors, mainly due to errors in in how the the, the vial was. Uh, Mixed and, and prepared and thought out or whatever, but the person giving the, the injection was not blinded. So, if for some reason they they felt that uh, oh why should I exclude this patient should I not exclude them from the analysis from the final calculation, they could have been inadvertently biased by the knowledge of what what that what that person was going to receive, and and they knew what it was. Okay, now I'm going to show you why we know that in a moment. But you can see that the sixteen and the three numbers that I showed you a moment ago, there's plenty of room in these forty-seven and four numbers for the sixteen and three numbers to be off. You see that you can make a mistake even even by a few, by four, five, six people, and those sixteen and three numbers are now completely off. What they didn't do, they haven't shown us why there are these exclusions. They haven't done what is called an intention-to-treat analysis. Again, a standard statistical procedure that should be done most doctors don't even know what i'm talking about okay they have no idea so if a doctor tells you oh yes i've read all the studies okay they really don't come into the con you have to tell them i'm sorry doctor you're a great doctor but unless you've done this type of analysis which i'm going to guess that most people have not right okay they don't they don't even enter into the conversation well wow. okay Now, here's here's how we know that the person giving the vaccine was not blinded. They call this, this is is Pfizer's own documents, they call this an observer-blinded study, meaning the person evaluating the patient at the end of the day was blinded, but they can't claim that the patient was blinded, and they can't claim that the administrator was blinded. It says here, The intervention, these are their words in the black box in the middle. The intervention will be administered by an unblinded administrator. There is every opportunity there for error to occur, even inadvertently. Mm -hmm. And yet, FDA still thinks it's double blinded. In the FDA documents, they use the term double blinded, it was observer blind. So you have every opportunity for, for error there. And then now we're looking at the adults. The same thing, the adult study was observer blinded, not not, um, double blinded. And in the adult study, the numbers here are are 8 and and 162, not very big numbers in the context of 18,000 patients in the study, plenty of room for error. And in the green boxes, I show you where you could get that error again from the same problem that we mentioned before, right? So, so this is the adult vaccine. So we don't even really know in the adult vaccine that this really works, or at least works, you know, as they said it was, and that's before we talk about waning immunity. <clears throat> now we have a different problem, <clears throat> and that is that there have now been allegations, we don't know how widespread they are, of at least in one investigation, investigation investigational site that did the Pfizer adult vaccine trial that there were allegations of uh scientific misconduct and falsification unblinding and so on that could be one or well, one one off thing or it could be widespread no idea but that's a, that's an additional problem now we're going to talk about safety the safety in the clinical studies for the children was in a very small number of children 1500 1600 patients with a very small follow up very short there's there's data that are missing david can you can you just
0: hold that go back when you say very short i think this should shock people to no end how short two months follow up two and a half weeks follow up forgive me isn't that like minuscule when you're referring to a process yeah, Usually I, vaccines, I, I, they say ten years of testing or whatever. I don't know. Put things in perspective for me. How okay, short so, is this? How okay, shocked so,
1: should we be by this? Okay, so, so you know, you, yes, you've heard numbers like ten years of testing. Okay, so the question is, what what would be a reasonable amount here? Well, um, I, I think everyone would say, well, two and a, they, they had two different groups. So The two and a half weeks is is really ridiculous. Okay, two months is or three months is. Is is on the is on the very very low end. I would I would say at the minimum you'd want six to twelve months. Now you can't expect them to say okay come back in ten years and tell us how the vaccine is because you know that that's unreasonable. So th- there is a there is a certain point at which the sort of um there's a there's cal- a more calculated risk, uh, you know. Uh, but but the numbers of it's not just the time, but you've got a very small number of p- patients in the study, and some of these events, even though they're there are they are a low there a low frequency are very important like myocarditis so the frequency the myocarditis events okay you wouldn't pick up necessarily in in 1500 or 3000 patients you wouldn't pick that up so there's really two aspects to that i think the more important aspect is actually the number of patients than the time the time is is also important but but the number aspect number of patients is really is really critical here Um, So, but I I would say, personally, in in a normal world, right, six months, but we already know, here's the difference, we already know, we already have data from adults, including uh, teenagers, right, we already have suspicions, very strong, I mean, more than strong suspicions of adverse events, okay, so it's not like we're starting from zero, we're starting from a point where we already have a lot of information. So that's why this is even more astounding. That that they that they that they given that we already know that there's problems. Why did they only study it in a small number of patients for a short amount of time? Because and and then just rely on FDA's flawed risk-benefit analysis that we talked about before. Remember the six point six and the twenty-six and the four numbers. That they they that that's what they relied on. They didn't rely on this because all they showed here. Oh, yeah, they had uh, sore arms and the normal kinds of immediate, you know, things that you would you would sort of see with a vaccine. But they really didn't study in any significant way to pick up the really important um, events that we talk about myocarditis, neurological issues and so on. So that's really the, that's really the key here. Yeah, just okay. to,
0: just to stay on that point for a second again according to the information that I, that i have heard and you can correct me if i'm wrong or modify it uh, people have people have scientists have said listen according to the information of 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 teenagers meaning the uh, whether 12 year olds 18 year olds and up whatever there the data has shown that one in 9000 have the risk of getting myocarditis so therefore, if we already know from from the older age that one of nine thousand have the risk of myocarditis, then uh, a test of only fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred exactly, is not, it's not it's not going to pick it up. Impossible to be able to give us the
1: correct safety <clears throat> signals correct. for this age group. Correct. You, you won't you won't you won't pick it up. I mean, you might get one case maybe, but but yes, if it's um like one hundred and six. Per million, so what is that? um 106 per million. So that's ten per ten thousand. That's one per thousand. That's roughly what you said, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's roughly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That that, that you, you've hit the you've hit it exactly.
0: Right. So okay. it's just shocking. Again, again, as as a layman, seeing how. Here you're bringing up all the problems with the what, with the safety tests that were done, and he, here again we're we're being shown straight in our face how even according to their standards they are not living up to the correct standards to really be they can't, they can't to find the correct it. safety data if they're really interested in looking out right. for the health of everyone who's about to get these shots.
1: Right, and then and then to, on top of that to mandate it that that becomes where it's it mandated based want. on this the incorrect. Uh, Testing or inadequate. Um, inadequate. But, but here's the thing: there, there are a lot of parents who, you know, I want, you know, I, you know, I'm all for the vaccines, and they they stand up at these FDA meetings and mothers for vaccines and whatever, you know, because we've got to protect the children. All very well-meaning. I mean, of course, of course, every mother, every parent wants to protect their child. Of course, okay. And FDA's argument was, oh, we have to make this accessible to give people the choice. No, you don't have to give them the choice, you have to give them the information that allows them to make an intelligent choice, not an unintelligent choice. Right. And and, and if if there are parents of which of whom there are many that genuinely want to contribute to science and contribute to, you know, this whole thing. Fine. Let them sign up in a clinical trial with 20, 30, 40, 50,000 children, sign up your children but only after you've got all the adverse events listed for you and all right. the potential side effects. I right. personally wouldn't do it. I wouldn't sign my child or grandchild up for this. Right. But if there are people who you know want to do that, okay, fine. But they have to be fully informed. I don't believe anyone's been fully informed at this point. Okay. So how are we doing? Good. How are we doing? Okay, good. So here's another piece of again you know you wake up you turn every page and say okay what am i going to find on this page that that, that beats what i found on the page before okay and he and here's something so pfizer listed in, in an earlier document that they were going to do this study or sub study they call it um where they're going to take serum samples from from uh vaccinated children and even though, even if those children don't have symptoms of myocarditis, we're going to look at everyone to see if they've elevated troponin levels. Now, troponin is a measure, a marker of heart damage, heart muscle damage. So there could be what is called subclinical myocarditis. That means that, that, that even though the person is not going to the doctor saying, oh, you know, I've got these uh, heart kinds of symptoms, is there sort of something going under the surface, under the, under the iceberg, you know, below the below the iceberg, right? the, the, the tip of not not the tip of the iceberg, and and so they said they were going to do this, and they haven't done it, and they've waffled their way about why they haven't done it because oh we've got to validate this, but we've got to validate the assay. Well, you've heard that somewhere else before. They didn't have a problem in in using a non validated assay. You remember that that slide, but here they're arguing for not doing this well we haven't validated this methodology yet. they have a problem now they didn't have a problem before okay This is a critical piece of information. They should have done this by now. Why not? Why not? and and here's another study that just came out this is in adults looking at markers of heart damage that predict in a validated manner, that predict um, five-year uh, occurrence of acute coronary syndrome, which means basically heart attack. Okay, but in this in this uh, 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 article in that appeared in Circulation, which is one of the major, you know, cardiovascular types of uh, medical journals, um, they 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 show that there's an increase in this pulse. That's the name of the test, pulse score from 11 to 25 percent. Uh, in in these patients, in in this particular group of adult patients. These are subclinical events that they're seeing. This is not, not, these patients were complaining of a problem, but the test has been previously validated to indicate that these people are at greater risk in five years, within five years, of developing some serious medical problems. Okay, So we know there's subclinical things that are going on, at least in adults. We need to be looking at that in children. And you need to be looking at before you mandate people to have the vaccine and before you and you know, did did Rabbi Kani ask? Was he told all that? I bet you he wasn't told all that. Was he told that? I'd like to know. I, not, I, at I know. not at I've all. Not at all. You can even help. see the latest video of the of the health
0: ministry officials with his grandson talking to him, that he was just asking him yes or no questions. See, they weren't giving him information for right. weren't allowing the real to ask questions to further understand how in the world can someone give an approval without asking the necessary questions to further understand an issue. And he wasn't given that.
1: Right, right. So, um, but you know, again, in in the FDA world, they do, they can do the opposite things in the Purim spiel, you know, of this uh, story, right? Um, On the same day, October the 29th, the FDA authorized the Pfizer vaccine for children. On the same day, on Friday afternoon, Erev Chavez, right? They sent a letter to Moderna saying, by the way, Moderna, we're concerned about um, reports from Europe and other countries about heart issues or other adverse events. And so we're gonna put your children's vaccine program on hold we have to review those data. Well, wait a minute. FDA, in some breaths, uses Pfizer and Moderna in the same breath to discuss these types of issues. You didn't bring this up, FDA, three days earlier at the October the twenty-sixth meeting, right? but you were about to put Moderna on hold. You didn't tell the panel that, right? Instead, you tell people quietly on a Friday afternoon, when when no one can talk about it. And and the same day that you're making a big press release and a big uh, press conference about authorizing the Pfizer vaccine, what's going on, FDA? There's a problem with Moderna, and 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 you and you know it's sufficiently similar to the Pfizer, and you don't tell anyone about this. What's going on? And then you've probably seen this quote.
0: Yes, and there's a video of this
1: uh, this person saying this
0: there's a video of
1: it you can queue it up on that on the youtube it's there i i I watched it live but uh you you can this is for
0: those people who don't know he this doctor said this line we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is until we start giving it at the fda uh decision making panel on whether to approve it for children 5 to 11. this is what this fda panel member said
1: right Uh, again the the, the the panel just so just to back to put a couple of things in context. The panel is is advising the FDA. So the FDA can take it or leave it, whatever the panel says, but this is a voting member. He is the, the editor, I think the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, one of the top six journals in the world, right? And and in in a little bit of context, and and back to one of your questions earlier, Avi. Um you know, when you put a drug out on the market, in a certain sense, this statement is true because even though you've done a lot of clinical studies, um, you 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 won't know fully how safe the drug is until it gets into millions of patients as opposed to thousands of patients in your clinical studies. So there's a certain certain element of truth to this, but the problem is we we know there are problems already. So it's not like you're coming in with zero, you're coming in with all the information we already know about this drug. So that's why this statement is particularly offensive. But I'm going to make it even worse for you because this statement was made on October the 26th. I remember that number, 26, seems to come up a lot now. Hmm. Um, now, can you do the math here and look at October the 27th? I don't know if you can figure that out. How many days elapsed between the 27th? One day. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm not going to play dreidel against you. You're going to be really, you're going to, you're going to be uh, cleaning up here. Um, the next day, in can you guess which journal, right? Eric Rubin must have woken up, had his bacon and eggs breakfast, and choked when he saw his own journal, of which he is the editor in chief, and which, by the way, gets some kind of you know, sponsorship from Pfizer, you can see in the bottom panel there. This this article about adverse events from the Pfizer vaccine according to age and sex. The next day, in fact, less than 24 hours probably from when he said what he said.
0: Okay. And what does this mean? What what is that what does that report well, mean in the New England Journal of medicine Okay, so when you look at
1: this report, what was it? What was it in that report that would have been helpful to us? Well. I'm going to show you this is this is that report. And what they've done here, they've, they've got myocarditis, they've got other events, but I've just pulled out myocarditis and pericarditis for you. And you can see in the left red box, they, they split out by age, 16 to 19, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What they've done is the, the in the blue um, numbers, right? Uh, in the blue box numbers those are the uh risk the risk difference associated with using the vaccine uh, in those numbers but you can see although they've provided some numbers in these other little columns here the key numbers are in the, are in these blue um, circles okay yeah. but you can see what they've done here is they've those numbers are applied to the entire age range from 16 to 39. what they haven't done is they haven't broken them down by, The more narrow ages, 16 to 19, which would have been particularly useful for us to know yesterday on October the 26th, right? When we were talking about the risk benefit analysis. Okay, what a shame, Eric Rubin must have thought, that we didn't publish this yesterday or the day before, or perhaps, God forbid, I can even. Rather than say the stupid thing that I had to say, I could have even said, "By the way, I'm aware of data here that shows blah 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 risk uh, uh, of of myocarditis in the 16 to 19 year old age group." What a shame he couldn't do that. Okay, that's that. And and by the way, I think that's his moral, at least, at least moral obligation to do. If he's aware of data, right, he has to bring it up. Okay, he didn't. No, anyway, so. What I've done here is using these numbers and using these numbers on this slide, which is a CDC slide, I've actually back calculated or reverse engineered those numbers to try and figure out what the numbers might have been in the 16 to 19-year-old group, which would have then allowed us to make some uh, uh, decisions or at least give us more context about the 12 to 15 and even the 5 to 11-year-old group. And basically the various numbers here, I'm not going to go into the detail, Basically, confirm our suspicions that the risk-benefit analysis was wrong. So that's all you need to know. I'm not. It's kind of complicated how we did this, but but we did it. So so using the numbers that appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine, but only able to only combining them with other numbers that we grabbed from, from CDC somewhere else. Okay, we basically showed that okay um you know what we thought about the fda risk benefit analysis at least in certain respects you know we 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 were at least correct or at least it's it's consistent with our position okay what a shame we didn't have those numbers two days before um and so that particular journal wrote an article or, or an editorial a year ago um Called "Dying in a, in a Leadership Vacuum." This was this was a New England Journal of Medicine, an editorial, "Dying in a Leadership Vacuum," and they were talking about the Trump, uh, you know, response to the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And and you know, and they have the right to do that. I mean, you know, whether you agree or disagree with them, I think that's a legitimate thing for 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 a, a major medical journal to be addressing. That's fine. And they and they said in the blue boxes there that CDC. This is a year ago. Has suffered dramatic testing and policy failures. FDA has been shamefully politicized, appearing to respond to pressure from the administration rather than scientific evidence. Okay, that was a year ago. Gee, what has changed? Nothing. And, and, and you're now part of the problem. Before you were writing this as, as, a, as an outside observer, you are part of the problem. You're on that committee, you're the gatekeeper of what papers get in or out of the of the medical literature okay and so that's why i think it's very legitimate to put the word medical into that title and we are dying in a medical leadership vacuum unbelievable
0: yeah do you mind do you mind just going back and reading through those uh those quotes from the medical journal editors
1: cuz that's also yes yes so, so, so these, years ago that's not yeah yeah some years ago so so these are These are um, several um, editors of very, I mean, again, top journals. Lancet is, again, one of the top six medical journals. Richard Horton wrote a number of years ago that journals have devolved into information laundering operations for the pharmaceutical industry. That's the editor of The Lancet. Very, very important medical journal.
0: Yeah. And again, I don't remember the date, but I came upon that. Uh, It was probably like 20 years ago. Way before the Trump administration.
1: Way before Trump. No, this was, I think, 20. 20 years ago i'm not it was quite a quiet meant quite a number of years ago right. um the left uh, side richard smith who uh, i can't remember if he's the current editor but the editor of the british british medical journal again one of the top journals in the world medical journals are an extension of the marketing of pharmaceutical companies and there's other statements by other journals um other editors former editors of the, of the new england journal of medicine marcia angel and jerome cassira um uh, and uh, they've made similar kinds of uh, comments and articles and so on. So, so this is this is you know this is a well-acknowledged problem from people who really know, you know, what they're talking about.
0: And then, David, um, I'm just going to ask you personally. I mean, it's important one bringing up those quotes of those uh, former or current uh, editors of those medical journals uh, saying that themselves. But you yourself, you are your your profession is to uh, is to analyze uh, studies and articles in medical journals have have have, do you see that yourself are you able to pick up on that did you see a change in the medical journals from for seeing the influence of pharmaceuticals taking over on the information that was published
1: yeah so so when you say my profession it's it's part of part of your job as being a scientist to 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 um to help this peer the so-called peer review process, you've heard the term peer review, okay? And and you know we do it. I think most people do it unpaid. I don't think anyone get actually gets paid for it. <clears throat> but we do it unpaid. That we get sent articles from from journals to review and to to review them critically. Should should the paper re, be be uh, accepted or not accepted with changes or whatever? Okay, so that that's part of what every scientist should be doing and probably many are doing and I I I, I've reviewed even papers on COVID so that's the first thing the second thing is that I've submitted papers including to the the New England Journal of Medicine okay and 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 JAMA and Annals of Internal Medicine on COVID and I can tell you that the responses that we're getting are completely insane and 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 particularly this journal let's talk about this one because it's on the screen but it applies to the others we reanalyzed one of the key hydroxychloroquine papers that was used to one of the two papers that you that was used by FDA basically to close down hydroxychloroquine in June last year okay we found a major 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 problem with that with one of those papers to the point that in a normal world there should be a correction or a retraction. It's of, of a similar in my view, although I'm not claiming fraud in this particular instance, but in my view, this was a problem as big or bigger than the surgisphere problem that you might have rem- remembered from a year or so ago. Okay. That that the, the, this hydroxychloroquine paper, post-exposure prophylaxis, that they 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 said that everyone received the drug overnight. We found out, we got the data from them that that showed that the people did not get the drug as advertised, which changed the results. And when the results were, when we analyzed the results, we found a 42%, again, that number 42, 42% reduction in COVID in that post-exposure prophylaxis study. We sent that to this journal, who within 18 hours of receiving it, rejected it, Not because they've read it and said, "Oh yeah, you're wrong. This is a bad study." They just said, "Oh, this is of not sufficient interest or focus to our readership," and that was on a day in January the third or fourth of this year, where I think it was one of the highest number of deaths that were occurring per day in the United States. And this editor signed in that I think in one of those emails from Eric Rubin said, "This is not not enough interest to our readers." If, if, if preventing COVID on a day where more deaths have occurred than any other day or one of them is not of sufficient interest to you, Dr. Rubin, I don't know what is. So, yes, we have a huge problem and 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 information laundering or data laundering, whatever you want to call it, right, is definitely going on. I've experienced it. I know others in different ways have experienced it. You know, Jessica Rose, Peter McCulloch, Pierre, Pierre Corey, Tess Laurie. Go down the list. We've all had major problems in sending stuff to these journals, and we get ridiculous answers, just stupid answers back. Okay, and and unless we can get our stuff into the medical literature, it's going to be called misinformation. So they they're controlling what is called quote unquote misinformation. This is this, and then and then it gets into NIH guidelines, and then you know it, it, the thing the thing, then it gets into the media. You know, but it's all down to these journals. What's happening in these journals? So if, if if a paper gets published or doesn't get published at the right strategic time, that can have huge impacts on an FDA meeting, especially if you sit on the committee as a voting member.
0: Right.
1: What's wrong with that picture? Everything. I mean, I mean, I. I think you are you sitting there like stunned. I think you're probably. I think you look pretty stunned. Uh,
0: unfortunately, I'm not stunned because I've been available and open to this information for right. for, for months already. So uh, it it doesn't shock me anymore. It saddens me to no end, but I am not shocked. Because I've I've known this information, What shocks me. is so many people either do not know this information or even when they do hear about this information, they just say, oh, but but there's so many doctors and scientists who say this. So everything must be right. And let's just ignore our common
1: sense. Right. Yeah. But most doctors, again, again, to put it in practical terms, so people listening to this. okay, the one message that I want people to understand is when your doctor. Right advises your rabbi or advises you oh i've read all the studies no do you know what studies haven't been published do you know why they haven't been published have you gone into the preprint literature okay i bet the answer to all of those questions is no 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 have you looked at data set analysis have you have you analyzed for yourself the original raw data sets and and and, 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 and verified the numbers in these kind of papers and if the answer is no, which it will inevitably be, okay, then unfortunately, as as well motivated as that doctor may be, okay, his opinion, unfortunately, is completely worthless. Right.
0: I'm I, sorry. I wonder if you'd all agree just, with all this. All I had
1: respect for the doctor.
0: Right. No, 100. I had a. I had this type of a, a conversation with a with a math teacher the other day, and basically, this person again, professional math teacher. And again, he was agreeing with, I was raising all the questions of, of, of what things don't make sense and the information and the doctors being censored, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this math teacher was saying, yes, you make a good point. Yes, you make a good point. You make a good point. And then finally, he this math teacher goes, but you know what? I don't wanna talk about this anymore. Because, because there's so many doctors and scientists who say that the vaccine is the right thing to do and, and, and I, we just have to believe them so I don't want to talk about this anymore. Right, and just, just breaking down try, trying to st- stop all common sense and just move on because he doesn't want to deal with it. And then I asked the following question I said okay you're a math teacher. You, you have a you, you have a student who's a great student great person works really hard and you know what the answer is to a problem but you give him the wrong information in order to make that in order to come to the solution no matter how good of a a student or how good of a person or how good of a big of a heart that student is he's not going to
1: have that solution you gave him the wrong information exactly 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 Exactly. that's that's the point that that's exactly the point so all, all the doctors may be great students but if they've been given the wrong information that's it they, they, they can't help it they don't know any better okay so now to israel and um there was a meeting last week i think it was and you interviewed moshe Faglin. and he yes, was at that meeting and he was at the meeting and he asked the question to the gentleman on the right part of the screen dr lev boy we have a problem with myocarditis don't we we have a problem with inflammation of the heart don't we Dr. Lev. Okay, Lev means heart for those people who don't get that poor attempt of a very poor joke. But uh, to Dr. Lev, in response to Moshe Faglin's question, appears to not even know what the VAERS system is, meaning the American Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That's what Moshe Faglin asked him about. And that was what his response was. Is that correct, Abby? Yes so it will not surprise you to learn that on november the 4th about two or three weeks prior to that meeting there was a meeting of the pandemic committee i'm not sure what the exact name of it is but but that that committee is chaired by dr leff okay and i the guy you're speaking to now gave a three-minute presentation to that committee, to Dr. Of which, Lev, of which Dr. Lev is the chairman, and this is one of the slides. You can look it up. You can go. You can go. You can. Uh, did I put the link there? But there's. You can look it up. You can go to that the YouTube uh, page channel, and this is one of the slides that I presented. Can you read that from the USA Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System? And that shows the number of deaths in uh, i think it's the um all all ages right yeah. all ages yeah. okay that was presented to that committee chaired by dr lev and perhaps he was in the bathroom or somewhere at that moment um and that's perhaps why he was answered the answer the question from moshe Faglin two or three weeks later that he hadn't a clue what this VAERS system was. Wow, I
0: I wanna make sure people understand the point you are making right now. You are telling all of us right now that you personally presented the information from from VAERS, the the US government uh, adverse events reporting system for vaccines of the 16,000 reported deaths in theirs from uh, from the, the, the COVID-19 vaccines, and it was to Dr. Lev's committee. And then two weeks later, in a televised committee meeting that Moshe Figlin was present, and he specifically asked, and you have the screenshots there, and the video is also available for all who want to see, Moshe Figlin asked Dr. Lev directly what about deaths? What about the 16,000 deaths in the U.S. government system? And Dr. Lev said, I never heard about those numbers. Those numbers are not realistic. Don't pay attention to them. And you're saying right now, you personally told that committee led by Dr. Lev that specific data point of the 16,000 deaths reported in the VAERS system from the vaccine.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I had 16,000, but yes. But but the point is that I I, I think, and you you tell me, because I didn't catch all the Hebrew. My Hebrew is not that great. But in Dr. Lev's answer to, to Moshe Fagan, was he saying that he's never heard of VAERS? Or was he saying that I don't agree with the numbers? What What was exactly, what exactly was he saying in his answer there? He said recall?
0: he's never heard those numbers and the don't numbers make no sense. It's not real. It's not realistic. I think he, so even wasn't said that no, he was the, denying no knowing happened. about
1: this. It wasn't that he was denying knowing about but this. He was just he was he, just didn't deni- the he did
0: not deny knowing about theirs. He denied hearing any numbers of death from theirs and okay.
1: specifically said the number is not realistic. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we 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 certainly can't prove cause and effect. That's that that's a general problem with the Vez. We know that. But but to say that he never heard those numbers, um, you know, I, I, again, I think the numbers here were like twelve thousand. I think I can't remember what I can't see clearly. Um, but uh, but certainly they were in the order of, of magnitude that uh, that he's took that the the, the sixteen thousand that that Moshe Fagan was talking about. I just wanna make make sure that everyone understands those 16,000 number is actually really includes US and non-US deaths. So really the US deaths are about eight eight to 9,000. So just to be clear on that. But the main point here is that certainly in in major part of what Dr. Lev appears to have said in response to Moshe Faglin's question, uh, that's contradicted by what I personally, me, presented at his committee two or so weeks earlier. And just so, an
0: observation, anyone who knows anything about interpreting behavior, if you watch the video yes. of, of uh, Moshe Figlin answer asking Dr. Lev this question about the data in VAERS, Dr. Lev looks down and he does yes. not look Dr. Moshe Faglin in the eye. When he oh, gives yes. him his answer, talking about various right. numbers,
1: yeah, 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 I'm not, I'm not a body language expert by any stretch of the imagination, but yes, he was like looking down and sort of mumbling his answers, um you know, that sort of thing. So, it, it, you know, I don't know what how he normally speaks, so I can't gauge it, but it did, it didn't, it didn't look right to me, right. my my non-professional psychology eyes. Right. Okay. So I think that's, I think this is a pretty important slide, actually. Um, would you would you agree i think that's a
0: 100 I and those who are interested can t- contact me to see the actual video so they right. can see it for themselves this this conversation yeah. and you
1: can queue up my video as well that, oh. you know my, my three minutes uh oh please on. please send that to me
0: because i because yeah. I, I, yeah.
1: I can i can use that i could put one next, can put to next to the other okay okay um okay so and this is and this is i think this was actually the, the actual slide that i showed um so so um i think this was uh yeah this is showing that that the number of deaths reported um in just uh, the COVID era exceeds the total number of deaths reported for all vaccines for all years which goes back to 1990 combined combined okay If, if you can't say there's a signal there whether or not these were actually causation we we don't we don't know but um if you can't you you can't say there's a signal there then we have a real problem in fact many of these deaths occur within uh like one two three days after vaccination if this was sort of background noise where people are just picking up deaths that occur anyway you would see a constant number of deaths more or less every day after vaccination, but you don't see that. You see it mainly between the first of one, two, or three days. So that's can, very highly and, suggested. Sorry.
0: No, and can you give us a perspective of the other vaccines that have come to market when the number of deaths hit? What number were they pulled from from rollouts? Because I think um, we be shocked. Yeah, I saw numbers. so I
1: think um the the thing the one that I recall was the H1N one. Um H one N one number, and, I, and I, the number I saw was in the range of about a hundred. It could have been two hundred, but it, yeah, I mean we're we're talking about thousands here. I mean, you, you know, we're not, you know, and, and the, the, the the presumption is, the presumption is that what is called the precautionary pr- principle is that you don't wait to find out. I mean, you've got a lot of deaths, okay, right now. It, okay we've got a lot of deaths here we've got to stop something right now and then we're going to ask questions we're not going to wait for more deaths and while this is going on and to try and figure it out while while more deaths are occurring you know every day we're going to stop it right now so 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 i think that some of those vaccines that in the past we were talking about 50 100, you know less than a thousand certainly much less than a thousand uh or what we're talking about the the average number of deaths per year for all other vaccines i think is about uh 70 to 100 i think roughly uh it, it's that sort that sort of number per year for all vaccines combined 70 right. to 150 so and, so and uh, the other point i
0: just wanted to mention if you could address is it's not just the the amount of deaths it's the amount of deaths
1: per shots given okay so right so yes yeah, so so in the I Meaning, because some people system, like to
0: say, "Oh, it's not comparable because so many yeah, more okay, shots were so given." I'm going to show, students, gonna but show obviously you. Obviously, it's higher.
1: let me show you that. Let me show you that. Let me show you that. That's. I, I'm going. I'm going to show you a slide in a moment. So, yeah. So the VA, the VA system does not have a denominator. You know, as you 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 have to go and find in other places how many shots were given, and that, that and by and you have to look at it by age. It's 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 a uh, more complicated than just looking at the absolute number of of events. But on this slide actually addresses what your question is okay and so what we've done what we what we've done here this is with um, josh Getzko of the hebrew university uh what we've done here and by the way i just need to acknowledge i mean there's a lot of people's work that's gone into a lot of these things here this is not just my work there's a lot of effort by a lot of people that have gone into this so so i want to acknowledge all those people too too numerous, but this is jo- this is with Josh. And so what we've done here, we've actually normalised the number of deaths or different kinds of car- categories of events um, by the number of doses given or the number of people being given a dose. Is in slightly different calculation, okay? And then compare that ratio with what happens in flu in the right. flu vaccine so so we've normalized it by the number of doses and we've normalized and then we've compared it with with the flu wow um, so and, these are the numbers and, and compared is, to the flu vaccine wow yeah and this is this is the 12 to 16 12 to uh 17 group and wow. and you can see that the numbers are elevated on that basis for death 47 times for serious a general category called serious 61 times Life-threatening, 49 times hospitalized, 68 times permanent disability, a mere 22 times. It, it, I mean, it's like way down there on the graph. It doesn't look very impressive. But even 22 times is a is a is a significant problem. Again, you know, these are these are called signals. We can't right. say with certainty that they are caused, you know, by the vaccine. But there are signals that says, wake up! You have to look at this. There's signals that that
0: it seems the FDA, the CDC and our own medical establishment here in Israel are one not taking into consideration and definitely not telling the public to be able to have informed consent before making a decision whether or not to take the shot, especially since it's being mandated. So people don't even have the opportunity to choose or have informed consent because they have to take it or, or else they face consequences correct wow
1: so so and then, and we've done this for in different ways for the, the whole you know adult population and we've got in in, in in actually for death i think the numbers are even worse it's like 170 times or something uh compared with a flu vaccine <clears throat> and 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 we cut it by you know different types of vaccine we've cut it in different ways but but I, I, whichever way we cut it, it's still a problem. And we also done another analysis which I don't show here, where we compare it against the H1N1 vaccine, where it, it, according to CDC's own paper on that, they said in their in that report there was overreporting. They felt it was or or enhanced reporting in the H1N1 case. But even when we compare against the, at that H1N1, we still get these elevated types of ratios. So. That this is a very this is a very important slide, and and then th- we drill down in more detail here to to more uh, specific kinds of uh, issues, um, and you can see some of the ratios are just through the roof. Myocardial events um, three and a half thousand times more than the flu vaccine. So this is all uh, ratioed against you know number of doses and and against flu vaccine. So 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 that's why you know and I think that's a reasonable vaccine to compare it against. Um I mean you yes you do I mean, we've done analyses on by age specific as well, which you do have to you know look at there, but this is age specific to 12, 12 to 17. Um so these are just these are just sort of like these are astronomical. Is, is, no, astronomical. is, no, one is no one looking at this? Is no one looking at this? I mean And by the way, the FDA had put out, and CDC put out a standard operating procedure at the beginning of the year, I think it was, as to exactly how they would look at signals like this, okay. And so we did a lot of work um, reviewing the methodology for their signal analysis, and they were using actually, and and we actually used that method as well and even using that method which is which is actually inadequate but even using that method we see we see signals according to FDA's own methodology which we don't show here but we 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 we've, we've got that in other places that we've submitted to the FDA so using their method of analysis the the signals are elevated using their methods um, so so we've called all this together it's important to sort of put this into one word that people, again, trying to, to encapsulate for people what's going on. So we, you know, other people come up with different names. We've come up with this name, p You know, it, it can it can you can get a URL URL for it. It can fit on a T-shirt. So we're in business. We can invent a new disease, and and p post-COVID vaccine syndrome, which encompasses the wide range of things: neurological, cardiac, other things, get GI, uh, uh, skin, and so on. Different kinds of things that people have reported, and 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 this has to be studied, and and I'm surprised why NIH or FDA aren't studying this in more detail. Perhaps they are, I don't know, but uh, but but this needs to be studied, and this is this is a major public health issue. You've got in America 200 plus million people that may have long long term consequences that are going to go on for many years. This is this is a major health public health issue. That's going to eclipse COVID. Now, I'm going to talk about some specific types of adverse events, and this is, Abby, this is one of the most, perhaps, disturbing. I mean, it's all disturbing, and you know, you you know, it's you you sort of get numb to this, Um, and every now and then you have to sort of pinch yourself and and say, wait a minute, did I just just gloss over that? because that you know everything you're looking at oh I knew that I knew about that I knew about that problem and you and you get very numb to it and and, and it's really terrible that we do so but here's look at pregnancy now the the white box at the top there Avi says that the this is the package insert for the common which is the sort of <clears throat> the one that's officially approved and that we're not going to go into that story Uh, says the available data administered to pregnant women are insufficient. Just for people
0: who don't know that, that's the officially approved Pfizer vaccine, which actually is different than the one given, but we're not getting into that, but that refers
1: to the Pfizer vaccine. Right. Okay. So the the data are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. So right there, in a normal world, in a normal world, then a, a woman, lady that is pregnant or about to become pregnant would look at that and reasonably say well you know that's a bit chancy i'm not sure i want to take something that might be like thalidomide or something that might be alcohol or might be something like other drugs that you know people refrain from taking you know while pregnant okay That might that that conjures up for me those types of risks, and I choose because I have freedom of choice, and no one is forcing me, and no one can force me to take the vaccine. I choose not to take that vaccine because I'm pregnant or about to become pregnant. Okay, that that's 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 normal. However. In the green boxes below, you see that CDC are either strongly or just plain not strongly, but just recommending to patients, to pregnant women, to take the vaccine because there are some risks of getting COVID in pregnancy, which there are. But again, we have to balance the risks and the and the benefits, which they haven't really done. But they're strongly recommending this. Okay, you're strongly recommending. You really don't have any data, but what do you know cdc well what you know cdc on this slide is that cdc are conducting studies okay and which in the yellow words in the middle of the slide they say in their protocol this is cdc's the words of the cdc uh, scientists or the, the scientists that are doing the studies for the cdc they're saying there is an urgent need to monitor the safety of these vaccines during or around the time of pregnancy. So on the one hand, CDC is strongly recommending these vaccines to patients. Well, on the other hand, conducting studies where there is an urgent need to study the the safety of the vaccines in pregnancy. Did you tell the people when you strongly recommended them to take the vaccines that you're doing this study and you consider there to be an urgent need? Gee, I wonder what that person, would what decision they would make Oh, CDC are conducting a study. They think there's an urgent need to study this in pregnancy. Hmm, should I take the vaccine or not? Gee, I wonder what I would do. OK, I mean, this is, this is and not only that. In the protocol, the CDC scientists have, waived, have requested to waive the requirement to obtain informed consent or parental permission for the women who are entering these studies without their knowledge that are part of HMOs or whatever it is, however, they're studying this, these women don't even know they're in the study. Wow. Uh, Do you want to just like breathe on that, mark? breathe on that for a moment? Can you see how shocking that is? Yeah. And, and then, and then, Women are being mandated. They're working. They're going to work, and and um, you know, lady gets pregnant. She's got you know, figures she's got six, seven, eight months of working time that she has to. You know, she can earn some money because she's going to take maternity leave in seven months' time, right? She's she's sort of under the gun there to keep working as long as she can. And yet, now she's being mandated, but she can't work unless she takes the vaccine. So not only is she doesn't, she, does she not even have, in some cases, any informed consent, but now she's being effectively coerced economically. Yes, does she have freedom of will? No, not really, right? I mean, if you can't see how absolutely repugnant that is, okay, there's a problem.
0: I'll even add to that. I mean, I can only attest to what we experienced here in Israel. I don't know what was done in other countries, but there was a massive scare campaign specifically targeting pregnant women to get the vaccine because their their fetuses were in were in danger if the pregnant women would get sick from covid and it was a massive government medical establishment media scare campaign that uh meaning it gave it made any pregnant woman seem crazy to doubt to the, to do it, yeah. the, the the need in order to protect the baby for
1: that they must get the shot a total right. scare campaign if you want to study if you want to study this you know there's th- studied it properly so study it in a randomized double blind clinical study with women who know the complete list of possible things that can happen to them. They have full informed consent if they want to contribute to science, as they say in the CDC goes hate. Right. Right, and I already saw you, you had you showed the next uh,
0: here the next slide and I was about to say I have heard countless of eyewitness testimony from nurses on the the immense amount of stillbirths that they are are experiencing all over the place in hospitals all across the world ever since the vaccine rollout numbers that they've never seen in all of their careers. Right,
1: right. Well, but this slide, yes. So this slide is actually a CDC study. And this is a sort of ridiculous nonsense that they're putting out. They, they, they put out these things you know risk for stillbirth among women with covid okay we're not talking about the vaccine <clears throat> and and, they, and they're basically trying to make the case oh there's a risk but they haven't really got any real data so it's all complete speculation it was not possible to accept to assess vaccination status in this analysis however and then they say well because of this reason because of that reason you know, most women will probably likely unvaccinated. They don't know what happened in this study. They have no idea. They're just making some inference. Here's another study of similar nonsense. <clears throat> Again, our favorite journal. Remember that one? New England. <laughs> our favorite journal. wrote This came out, I think, just the other day or last week or something. So the conclusion to this study in the white box on the left, our study found no evidence of an increased risk for pregnancy, early pregnancy loss after COVID vaccination, and adds to the findings from other reports of, of supporting COVID vaccination during pregnancy. So they've got oh yeah, we we found that it supports that you should use the vaccine. However, you've got to read the list of limitations. Okay, the list of limitations is on the right. Oh, they 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 uh, lacked information on gestational age. Only approximately 40% of the women have a primary appointment to confirm pregnancy. We can't address associations between vaccination miscarriages that were not clinically recognized. Or you know, we there was confounders, but the registry does not include information on lifestyle and other factors that might confound our uh, our, our observations. But aside from that, right, do you remember the Forty Towers? You ever watch Forty Towers? No, I heard about it. Okay. Well, there's 40 Towers, the guy from, from monty python beginning <clears throat> the restaurant's getting inspected by the health inspector who reads out a whole long list of things oh you had rats in here you had dirt here you had worms and mice and a whole lot long lost of things why he's going to close them down and the, at the end of the day the the, the, the restaurant owner says but apart from that was everything okay i mean this this apart from all these limitations oh yes yeah, this supports the use of the covid vaccine in pregnancy are you out of your mind okay then our favorite journal is, is publishing this sort of nonsense if you want to study this and you want to give a definitive declaration then do the study the right way <clears throat> nonsense wow. now menstrual disorders okay we know that the, the lipid nanoparticles distribute to the to the uh, ovaries okay and and how do we know? In, because because from a freedom of information request uh or well, in animals from a freedom of information request i think from australia i believe um they 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 got the animal study that looked at where the lipid nanoparticles go to in the body and they showed that one of them one of the hot spots is the is the ovaries so in august nih on the same day that CDC issued its uh, recommendation for the Pfizer vaccine, <coughs> NIH quietly announced that there, that, there, that there are potential links between COVID vaccination and menstrual changes. And there's people with more bleeding, less bleeding, painful bleeding, all the gamut of things that can happen. And in fact, I looked at the VAERS and there were in in September 7000 menstrual disorder symptoms noted among nearly 5000 case reports other vaccines prior to that were were, were were not even close to that number the biggest number being actually in the in the Gardasil the, the HPV HPV vaccine the, the Papilloma virus vaccine but yes, certainly very high numbers of menstrual disorder symptoms but here And this paper, which only just came out, it's called a preprint, they report here that 80%, this is from the UK, from women from 28 to 43, 28%, excuse me, 80% did not report any menstrual cycle changes up to four months after the vaccination, meaning 20% did, which means when you calculate all this, the, the the underreporting, as a very quick calculation, of menstrual disorders in VAERS is underreported by a thousand times, a thousand times. Um, and and you know we've got reports, you know, especially in in the context of uh, you know Jewish religious observance, what this can mean. Uh, that the based in a rabbinical court in uh, New York uh, noted this. And what effect these sorts of um, effects could have on on the you know you know family laws uh, you know, that, that are observed in the Jewish religion, um, and 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 what potentially it could do to fertility. So so this is this is a problem that that we really need to know about, and that's just a menstrual disorder. What it, what it can do to the ovaries, and and, and 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 so on. We we don't know. But now let's talk about cancer. Again, the package insert, read this, it's, it, you can't believe this. Cominati has not been evaluated for the potential to cause carcinogenicity, which means cancer, genotoxicity means damage to genes, or impairment of male fertility. They haven't studied any of these things. And this, this is just amazing. And, and now there's a lot of more biochemical data looking at uh, what the spike protein does to DNA, RNA, and so on. Um, what does it do to male infertility? Well, this is a paper that came out uh, just recently. And even though they sort of concluded they didn't find any differences, really there were some differences in different um, different parameters looking at uh, male semen, uh, you, you know, different uh, measures of, of, of um, semen quality. And, and there are some trends here that, that, that are in the wrong direction. This needs to be studied in way more detail than it has. Now, here's another problem, Avi. Um, this is considered a gene therapy product by the FDA. Those are the words of Moderna in their second quarter report, uh, quarterly financial report last year. It is a considered a gene therapy product. Why is that important? Because the FDA has a guidance document that says for these types of products they guide they recommend that there's a 5 to 15 year follow up for looking at autoimmune diseases and cancers and other things for gene therapy products this has not been done no one they're calling these vaccines which technically they i suppose they could be called vaccines but they're also gene therapy drugs or gene therapy products that that require or at least strongly recommend these types of this kind of scrutiny And the Moderna scientists, in a paper they wrote in 2016, on the bottom uh, bullet there, they say the first clinical application for this type of technology will likely not be a prophylactic vaccine, because the tolerance of side effects is very low for a drug that is injected into healthy individuals. Those are the words of Moderna scientists five years ago.
0: Okay. Just, just recently, I don't know if you saw this video. There was a uh, presentation. I think it's the CEO of Bayer or a, a senior executive at one of the major pharmaceutical companies speaking at a conference just recently. And the video uh, was released. And he basically said two years ago, we would have never imagined that there would be, uh, two two years ago, if you would have asked me, it would have been impossible to get people to take any gene therapy injections. To right. imagine that today, because of the corona situation, we have 95% acceptance of the general population to take a gene therapy uh, shot. Basically, yeah. I'm paraphrasing what he said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and again, like I remember when I, I came up with that, it's not just in Moderna's documentation, but in Pfizer's documentation as well also labels it as gene therapy. And I remember in the beginning, I've been very vocal about this uh, since the beginning, and I put up uh, the documentation saying from Pfizer, Moderna, they call they call it gene therapy, and I had doctors and scientists attacking me. How dare you? Put out misinformation. It's a vaccine. It's a traditional vaccine, or it's it's a new mRNA uh, technology, but it's the same vaccine. How dare you put out misinformation? I'm like Pfizer and Moderna call it gene therapy. What do you want from me?
1: Right, right. This is this is yeah yeah. This uh, you're 100% right. I mean, this is this has gone completely under the radar screen, and and, and obviously people are attacking you for saying it. This, these are their own words. These are their own words. Uh, and and um, you know, th- this is a completely different category of vaccine or drug than we've ever seen ever before. We have no idea what this stuff does long term. No idea. But we're going to find out, unfortunately. Okay, um, let's talk about deaths after vaccination. <clears throat> There's actually probably at least five pools of deaths that we can start to look at. People who die from a and For non-COVID reasons, but let's say a heart attack or you know some adverse event of the of the um, of the vaccine, and we estimate uh, conservatively using FDA and CDC CDC methods for estimating underreporting, we estimate in American terms that number is between 20 and 60,000. Then there are COVID-19 deaths, or deaths that are called COVID-19 in the vaccinated people we know we've calculated from the israeli data and the uh, in different ways again in american numbers between 20 and 5 and then and there's several other pools of deaths that we don't know yet but we we suspect they are occurring that there are non vaccinated people infected by transmission from the vaccinated you know the big selling point was oh yeah take the vaccine and you're going to prevent transmission to other people. No, that doesn't seem to be the case. It does. It seems like people who are vaccinated can transmit the, the thing much more, at least as well as non-vaccinated. And because they now think they're protected, they're going out and partying and song more than others. So that's a big problem. And now we have even all-cause mortality, meaning yeah, death. just to
0: give an anecdote there, I mean, I personally know this because a number of members of my family caught, uh, who are unvaccinated caught the um uh, caught the virus from
1: the vaccinated. people
0: who got the shots
1: right right so and
0: it's not me saying this this is what the municipality officially put out as information explaining the situation to to residents right.
1: so now 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 cdc actually it's interesting how this 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 idea of all cause mortality meaning deaths from all causes got into the Vocabulary got into the discussion because CDC about a month ago put out a paper showing there was a benefit of in terms of all cause of deaths in among the vaccinated. But actually, as I'll show you, um, that that is actually it actually could be partially right, but, but with a very disturbing twist that I'm going to show you. So there's all these pools of deaths we haven't even been able to ex- examine all of them in great detail but we 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 suspect we strongly suspect that they're they're there Um, and part of the problem unfortunately stems from a series of papers that are coming from israel and again you know this is israel national news i i think the israeli public and the government and dr lev and and dr alroy price who's some of whom are on these papers need to hear this and, and these papers, again, most of them published in Guess Which Journal, our favorite journal, not all. I think there are others in other places, but many of them are in here. These series of papers, because Israel is ahead of the game, they're the, they're the laboratory of the world, as someone put it, these are influencing American and, and worldwide policy. And yet there are some very, very serious problems with these papers. and. And this is one of the most disturbing problems um, described by Dr. reader in this paper, this preprint, having to do with the way that um, the, the studies that were put out from Israel from these ancient HM, from Clalit and, and these H, Israeli HMOs, uh, what could happen is that a vaccinated person gets matched with a non-vaccinated person on the same day. In terms of their demographics, age, gender, and so on. And then they follow these people for a period of time and say, well, what happens to them? The problem is that the non-vaccinated person could then become vaccinated. And then as a result of that happening, things happen to the data which um which result in this thing called information, informative censoring. It's a bit too complicated to explain, but basically the authors of the original paper, the first paper that the Israelis put out, acknowledged, acknowledged that the problem exists and they accounted for it, but only partially. And they accounted, it, it accounted for it by showing that there was a rough reduction of about 30 relative percent from the, from the original efficacy estimate down to a lower number. So in crude numbers, it went from about 70 to 50% roughly, 75 to 50% roughly. In crude numbers, okay. The problem, as Dr. reader points out, is that when when they accounted for that problem, they didn't go the whole way. And they, if they would have gone the whole way, they could have even reduced the estimate of efficacy even to zero, even to zero, or at least at least to twenty-five percent instead of seventy-five percent. So, so that's a huge problem because the, everything that's been done from then in those other papers, whether looking at safety or other aspects they use the same methodology with the same statistical problem okay so so this is this is really problematic and here's one another way that that original de paper this is work done by hervey Seligman, shows that in the blue line there's an actual increase in the number of deaths very very early on and he was i think was the first one to my knowledge to note this problem in the israeli data and and um, he saw this, this jump in early deaths associated with vaccination in the Pfizer paper and 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 then and then he calculated and he and i sort of tweaked it a little bit in this calculation to in american terms calculate that there's a probably around about a 35,000 number of deaths associated with covid uh, associated with vaccination from covid which is which is one of the earlier slides but this is the this is the more detail of how we did that but Hervé's analysis. Guess what? He sent that letter to our favourite journal, mm-hmm. and guess what happened to it? It wasn't published. Oh, remarkable, Avi. So, um, but anyway, here, um, here they've uh, FDA have, have approved the booster doses for everyone uh, now. After a lot of argy bargy, eighteen years old and above. For Pfizer and the Moderna. But here again, Israeli data, again, Hervey Seligman showing that when you start the booster dosing um, in the black line there, that the number of cases goes up dramatically after booster dosing in the red line and the blue line, which is the same period last year, um, showing there was a slight wave that happened, but it didn't go up nearly as much. and And, and there's something going on with boosting. Now, here's the Israeli data again. This is really shocking. Again, you have to go into the data, you have to pull it out, you have to dissect it. And then this is what we've done. I've done this, and then Herve confirmed, you know, check my calculations. <clears throat> We're looking at serious cases on the left and deaths on the right. Israeli Ministry of Health data. The vaccine rollout, the booster rollout occurred around about day 30 here, which corresponds to mid July or day 35, mid July. The the dotted line shows the number of new vaccinations. Uh, The first little number there is is new primary series, but then everything else is really boosters after that. You can see the dotted line goes up and up and up and down again. But here's what happens. Look at the the non-vaccinated group. The non-vaccinated group, which is the black line, starts to go up in terms of severe cases or deaths on the right side. But what happens in front of that line? The What happens in front of the line is the red line. The red line are the people who were vaccinated six months ago or more without any boosters. If those people had any sort of protection at all, okay, that red line should come after the, the black line. It comes before the black line. So what this is suggesting, and again, you have to dissect into this to see this, is that basically by six months, it's not that you have waning immunity to some number lower than 90%. you have waning immunity that, that basically this looks like it's almost useless. okay? it's almost useless. now there is a, some protection of the, of the booster people the the green line here okay the number goes up it goes up earlier than the other groups but it doesn't go up nearly as high. okay? so there's some protection from boosting. okay? boosting. but old vaccinations they look to be completely useless. Well, are they completely useless? Wait, but what is it? What what does it mean? The fact
0: that the red line of those who had the two shots goes up before the black
1: line of people with no shots? If if there was protection from the from the vaccine, then then the line would go up later than the non vaccinated. It would take longer for more people to become to to register as cases, right? If, if if you're vaccinated right the, the, if the, the vaccinated people the numbers of cases should go up to, should go up later than the non-vaccinated cases correct okay you don't you don't you, you have to think about that or you no, I have to you think that. about it forgive me <laughs> Okay, if, 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 if you've got a population of vaccinated and non-vaccinated people the vaccinated people are supposed to be protected. And all of a sudden, there's a new wave, right? Right? Who, who's got it? Whose who's cases should go up quickly? Got go it. Up quickly, the non vaccinated. Got it. Got right? it. Right? Okay. It's, the, it's the wrong way around. Got it.
0: So then I have a follow up question. It, it, it is quite interesting that the the severe cases of non vaccinated. Goes up at the same time period
1: as the vaccinated. Is there any? Uh, what do you mean? No. What do you mean? Is, I'm looking. They're going in front. We. The black line is behind the red line. What, what are you talking about? Right. I'm. But but they're oh, both. Oh, you mean going the, going at the very beginning, at the lot, the very
0: tail the, the, you, They're both the very- starting to go up at the same time, even though the 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 vaccinated severe cases jumps quicker. Than the unvaccinated, but yeah, there's a little bit of a at lag. The
1: same time. There's a little bit of a lag. I mean, I mean, there's there's a number of problems with this that you you know we there's what is called a re- reporting lag. So so there's a you know when the cases actually get reported and into the system, that actually could change the numbers a little bit as well. So so there's you, you know no, I guess the
0: no, I'm I'm trying to make a different point. I'm saying it, it's it looks interesting that. The the unvaccinated, it's not like a high line throughout, it's actually going up the same time period, even though after
1: the vaccinated. You're saying at the very beginning, the black line is a little bit more quickly than the red line. You're saying in the very beginning. Is that what no, you're I'm talking not about? I'm
0: not comparing the black or the red, I'm just stating a fact that I would think if they are always telling us that the unvaccinated are in danger then the black line should be higher at all times.
1: Yes, yes. But it is yes.
0: only going up the same time period even after
1: yeah, those yeah, who yeah. are vaccinated. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, yes. And then look at the deaths as well. The deaths. And this is all normalized by the way per million. This is not absolute numbers. This is this is divided by the number of people in that category. Again, 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 what you you know what you'd have to do even further than this you'd have to look at age you have to break this down by age as well because that, that that could also be a factor here but but um right i didn't even look at the right side according to the right side again it's showing that
0: that the, the the number of deaths in those who got two shots is much higher and goes up old, old,
1: shot people you know like six months ago people right. yeah. yeah so 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 um, this is this and, and this some is Israeli government, government data. Yeah, this is from Misra. This is we we pull this from the you can download this from the the, the website. Anyone can do this. Um, you know, we, you have to you have to do a little bit of a you know in, in Excel, you have to like compare the you have to you have to go back who was it backstudied six months ago and you, you have to do some calculations. But right. again, we you know we we don't have the full data set. Uh, you know that's that's another really important part is that not only just for this but also for those papers that were that I mentioned that that we really need the full data sets for those to be able to really, really, really understand this at, at the level we we really need to do and to do the really you know definitive analyses. We can't do those because we right. don't have the full data sets. And that's and that's a significant problem, not only just for here, but also you know, in the data from Britain, for example uh you know that's a problem in, in, in america and so on so but but those data do exist people someone has them but we they're not being released so um so this is really disturbing thing that, that, that i think what what happened was that this graph or at least a version of this graph was presented by the israeli guys at the fda meeting but what they did was combine the green and the red lines so 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 it, even though yes there was a there was a, a a leading of the of that combined line before the 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 black line. Uh, what it failed to show, which we've dissected out here, is is the is the is the big difference between the in the old old vaccinated people, which I think is probably the most disturbing thing. So even though yes there is a an a an effect of boosting the old vaccination could be could be no good or or worse than no good, and we're going to show you that in a moment so i'm going to jump to that slide quickly because um, because this is this is a slide which i think is one of the best analyses i've ever seen from again from Herve Seligman and i'm not going to even attempt to explain how he did it but it, but i understand, i understand how he did it but to explain it is it would take 3 hours but what he what he's showing here in all these six panels each of these represents different um, age groups looking at european data and he's correlating all cause mortality okay not covid mortality but all cause mortality with time from vaccination okay and and he and um and so let's look at the top right panel for example uh, the yellow areas mean that there is a uh, there is a suggestion of detriment in terms of all cause mortality in that particular age group associated with the degree of vaccination in the entire population. These are correlations that he got from the European data. So there's a detriment in the first approximately four weeks, which corresponds to what we know about you know, vaccine you know, deaths and all the stuff we've been talking about. For the next four to 24 weeks, roughly, there appears to be a benefit, which actually is consistent with CDC's pronouncement of benefit of all-cause mortality. So in that respect, even though there's problems with the CDC study, but in that respect, there's some relationship to what CDC published. But then the period after that is where it gets really scary. Because if the vaccine waned in in efficiency, it just waned to nothing, like it was not there, Then that line should be flat and horizontal. It's not. Those lines in all those cases are above the line in the yellow zone, which suggests there is an association with vaccination that was done 24 or more weeks earlier, uh, as to all cause mortality that occurs 24 or more weeks after vaccination in all age groups, looking at vaccination in the whole population that's really scary that's saying that the the vaccine is is worse than useless Mm. after after about 24 weeks what's even scarier back to the children is in the top left group panel are children zero to 14 none of whom were vaccinated or most of whom were not vaccinated and in almost the entire graph it's in the yellow zone which means there is an association of all-cause mortality with vaccination in the whole population, okay, that that that's really scary. And again, it, it, it's consistent with what we talked about: transmission by others to other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Wait a that's, second, that's a really-
0: you're saying that the top left graph with the age zero to fourteen,
1: when they're unvaccinated, most most we're going to assume that most of these are unvaccinated children, right? But looking at correlating with vaccination in the entire population uh-huh. there, is, there there is a there is a the x-axis is is time from vaccination so when when the when the vaccination is whatever is percentage in the population at, at zero time at 42 weeks whatever okay there is there are correlations um um suggesting a detriment that occurs to to that particular age, most of whom we're going to assume were not vaccinated. Okay. Now, correct
0: me if I'm wrong, but the
1: fact that
0: again it says uh, uh, um, outcome of this data is like from zero to six weeks around deaths increase for those who are vaccinated. Right. I have been using the following, and and, and again, yeah, and but following that four to six week period, then. The vaccine helps until week twenty-five around, right? Right, right, right. I've been using the following analogy, and again, I'm a layman here, so please correct me if if this analogy is off. But it's similar to telling a man and a woman take this condom, which only starts working after a half hour.
1: Right. So if you, right. So if you use it in the first half an hour. Good luck, and then and then. But but it only works. Not only that, it works after half an hour but it only works for uh, two hours after that so you've only got an hour and a half to you know to get on with it because before that and after that you know good luck all right so the analogy is is it works i suppose so i, I, I wouldn't have been the first one that came to my <laughs> mind but uh, <laughs> but yes i suppose i suppose it works yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. Or, or you know, you drive, drive a car, you know, for the first, you know, for the first 30 minutes, the car is not very safe. You know, from uh, once the car gets warmed up from 30 minutes to a couple of hours, it's perfectly safe. And after four hours, you know, the brakes are going to fail. Right. You know? I, I,
0: <laughs> again, the point I was trying to make is when someone asks me, does it work? And I go over the scientific information. I'm like, it doesn't make a difference if it works from work from week four to six to twenty-five. It doesn't
1: necessarily work in the first few weeks, right? And and, and then and then after the, after the and then after the twenty-five yeah, week, right? Yeah, so yeah. so it
0: it, it it you can't just say oh it works, but it it doesn't work in the beginning, with, and it doesn't work at the end. So how yeah. can you just be so? How can you just say oh yeah it works
1: because it works in the middle? Yeah, so the so the benefit and the risk overall, you know, even if you say all this even's out to zero, I mean, I don't know what it does, but these aren't absolute numbers. You can't exactly do that on these graphs, but but but, you know, certainly, certainly, the risk benefit analysis, you know, has to take all those things into account and the the time window that you're looking at. And you know, we've only had narrow time windows, but there's other data, other analyses that I've seen from you know different sources some more you know i'll say some more detail some less detail but but in general they're all pointing to sort of similar phenomena um they've all come to it in different directions but they, they, they seem to be pointing to to it in a similar in a similar way so this is pretty frightening i just want to see what i what i missed out I, um yeah we talked about that i just want to look at quickly boosters that finally, uh, Pfizer produced booster data, <clears throat> efficacy data, which was at CD the CDC meeting a week or so ago. There was no corresponding FDA meeting that preceded it, which is which is what's normally happened. Had there been an FDA meeting, we we, we would have seen slides at the, bo- uh, the bottom of which may have may have very well used those words that we saw at the beginning, uh when we started talking this morning that said fda did not verify these analyses. so we, we we're lucky that there was no such meeting that was held but instead cdc had their meeting where the format of the meeting isn't the same as the fda meeting and they showed their booster uh study below here and and when you compare those numbers in their booster study with the numbers in the in the um in the non in the adult study it turns out that the 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 booster people in the various combinations of what can happen uh it's hard to compare across studies but you know to the extent that you can that the booster people didn't seem to be doing so well the booster doses is only is only is only minimally effective on an absolute basis so so that that that's that's that's, that's again backing up the point that you know the the heroin addiction analogy that we're giving more and more doses for less and less benefit and more and more risk wow. um so um so now we have the the this omicron uh, you know uh, you know thing here that we talked about at the beginning and and this is a um you know this is a cnbc uh you know website and look at this the world health organization has said it would take weeks to understand how the variant may affect diagnosis, therapeutic and vac- therapeutics and vaccines. What do you mean it's going to take weeks? You've got, you can't work this out straight away. You know, you've got this Omicron and all these other Greek letters. And it's going to take you weeks, yeah, weeks, during which time it will be enough time for you to tell everyone to take the vaccine with more boostering. And only after that, then finally, you'll be able to come out and decide whether it, whether the vaccines are any good or not. what 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 were a ridiculous statement um so oh yes so you know what
0: bothers me about that statement even more i'm listening to the news here in israel this morning on the radio and when we say that when we see the official world health organization saying it will take weeks to understand how the variant may affect diagnostics therapeutics and vaccines in the news, we are we hear one doctor and professor and scientist after another being called up and, and telling us, oh, no, we know already that the vaccine is safe and will protect us from this new variant. Like, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but how in the world are you lying so blatantly saying you have that information to be so sure of yourself? Right. And I'm not talking about right. one doctor or scientist, but all of them. When even the official organizations say there's not enough time or experience with this new variant, that they don't even have the information.
1: They don't. They don't. They don't. They absolutely. So, um, so this is data coming out of England. Um, the British, uh, you know, public. They call it the Security Health Security Agency now or something. So, so the, this group from the Queen Mary College, University of London. Um, where I did my first research project, believe it or not. a high school project, I used this library to do my first uh, research project. So I have a connection with this. My other connection is that the, the main author, Dr. Fenton, it turns out we went to the same school. We overlapped by three years. How about that? Um, <clears throat> so, um, But anyway, this very, very, very highly qualified group to be looking at gum- these sorts of statistics um have now found all sorts of discrepancies and inconsistencies in the U- US government data <coughs> and and um, I'm just going to skip to the bottom the, the Oh can slide you just here can you, can you just show that yellow part again go ahead. this one there we go. can you just read that aloud uh, if if covid is as dangerous as claimed and if the vac- this is one of their conclusions and if the vaccine is as effective as it's claimed we should by now see many more COVID-related deaths among the unvaccinated than the vaccinated in each age group. Okay, so basically, what we said earlier, sort of again consistent with the, you know, Israeli numbers with the red line and the green line and so on. They've sort of done something similar in, in essence, um, but they had more granular data than we did in, in their British uh, data. But they, but they, they said, you know, you can't conclude here. The, the the this is a disease of the vaccinated and look at the bottom uh line here this is a grab from a youtube so uh, data provides no real evidence that the benefits of the vaccines outweigh the risks okay and again this is this is a this is a highly qualified highly published um group of you know uh, statisticians mathematicians and, and risk management people you know really really absolute top quality of course, because he went to my school. So what else am I going to say? You know, um, um, group, and and they they can't get this published in the peer review literature. I mean, there's the same problems that we talked about earlier, and um, and and so this is just, this is just again um, I, I put it there they, in, in the in the box. Data provide no real evidence that the risk, the benefits outweigh the risks. Um, so um there's a there's a link there you can look at dr fenton's professor fenton's um uh presentation which i thoroughly recommend it um and then you can't help but sort of putting this slide up here this is the these are the way everyone's seen these numbers these these waves and the black line corresponds to when we started the vaccinations in america and in israel and you know I, I I this is I, obviously it's, it's it's a little simplistic but in America we're up to nearly 800,000 deaths 320,000 before vaccination 477 after vaccination Israel the total number of deaths 8,000 8182 deaths god forbid and um 3,000 before vaccination 5100 5, after vaccination so very simple numbers I know it's a little simplistic but you know, you have to say, well, if the vaccines were supposed to help us, how come there'd be more deaths after vaccination than before? How come? I mean, that just, I mean, just, just you know, what kind of a mathematician do you have to be just to look at those numbers? Well, the so- claim people will tell you,
0: uh, Dr. Weissman, is, well, not everyone's vaccinated. So, of course, the numbers are going to continue to go up.
1: Right, but they weren't vaccinated before the black line. They weren't, none of, no one was vaccinated before the black line. You've had two thirds of the population in America and I don't know, whatever, similar number, greater number in Israel. You know, uh, yeah, these are just simple, yes, yes, but you know, I'm just, this is just on a very simplified light, but you know, it, it, it certainly, you can't, you you've got to do a lot of tap dancing to explain it and i'm not a very good tap dancer or any kind of dancer for that now. right no um, i
0: hear you meaning the meaning the scientific answer would be okay there would still be deaths but the, according to the percentage of the population then who got this vaccination shot therefore that percentage of deaths should be lower to the same yeah. time period and yeah. yet here we see it's higher <clears throat> even with the high rate of vaccination status so it doesn't make sense doesn't make any sense
1: yeah um okay new formula let's go on i don't know we can go on you know this is the the hanukkah presentation you know why because because there was enough there for 20 minutes but it lasted for eight days So, (laughs) so so um so the new formula that we we talked about that at the beginning, and so they've changed the formula for everyone. And I I explained that at the beginning, analytically comparable. I'm not going to go through it again, but but what that means. And this is Pfizer specifically saying, explicitly saying that, you know, the old studies were done with the old, the studies were done with the old formula, they haven't done studies with the new formula. And why is that important? Okay, so here I explain, you know, the storage conditions. We talked about that earlier. Uh, that, that it could result that people would get effectively a higher dose than they were getting before, um, because before they were getting a lo- effectively a lower dose because of stability problems. So now you could that could engender more safety problems. And here's some chemistry for all you chemistry geeks out here: how that could one one way that how that could actually um, could affect the. Um, the way that this lipid nanoparticle this little bubble at the top there moves around the body this long chain this long thing here is 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 an example of the type of lipid that this made up of and it can and it can join it can form a chem- chemical bond called a hydrogen bond with this thing called tris which is shaped like the letter shin i guess Naiska dohaya sham right um it, it could form a bond and and that could in theory uh, change the way that it, the, the, the 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 drug the lipid moves around the body um which we they, which they need to investigate so um let's talk a bit about transparency this is a freedom of information request d- done in europe uh, Pfizer provided the document which was 400 and something pages i think and and many of the pages many of the, the key data tables that we need to understand the the exclusions and the the adverse events and so on, they blacked out, black, 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 black. These are just examples of pages. Uh, And then you probably saw this, that the FDA asked the federal judge for 55 years to fully release all of its Pfizer data. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yes. so if you wanna take the vaccine, say, yes, I'll take the vaccine. Once you give me all the data, I'll see you in 55 years. Um, So what is all this? This is similar, I think, to, a, a menu you you hope you'll never see in a kosher restaurant, which has the highest standard of kosher. It's glut kosher, it's mahadrin it's basios, it's color, it's kh- chesedish shechita, right? And and it says the note from the vata kosher the rabbinic uh, kosher authority, said the restaurant is kosher, but our mashgiach, our investigator, our inspector, never showed up, and the, and the restaurants added a new ingredient to their their recipe that we don't even know is kosher or not. Now, would anyone remotely religious that wanted to keep to the kosher laws go to a restaurant like this? Of course, they would not. So why would you take a vaccine that has the same information, essentially? Um, And then let's talk about Israel. This is a paper that came out a few days ago. These are efforts detailed here by a ministry of people working on behalf of the Ministry of Health of Israel to increase PCR testing among the Haredi population to improm- promote health uh, issues uh, to achieve a high rate of vaccination. And, and there's OK, that's good that the Ministry of Health is going to help everyone in Israel, I hope, uh, and, and including the Haredi population. That's good. We like that. But here's a couple of disturbing things. What they actually did, they increased the number of PCR tests done so that the PCR po- testing done among the Haredi population, these are their words in the study, were higher than, than the general population. Well, that, sound, that, that might sound very good, except that what that's going to do, that's going to induce a testing bias to, to make you think that the amount of COVID among that population is higher than it really is. Okay, that's a problem, because then that will then feed into the narrative. Okay, you've got to get vaccinated, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, while while all this was going on. Okay. Um, they had vaccination parties. Okay, to encourage people to get vaccinated and they gave away free pizza or cholent, hopefully not at the same time, uh, uh, meaning pizza is dairy and cholent usually is made of milk and we don't eat meat milk eat. together. So hopefully they weren't doing that, but who knows? And and I put a little thing in Hebrew there that, you know, we have the story of Jacob and Esau, and Esau selling his birthright for a pot of stew. Cholent is a type of stew. So here there's a play on words uh, that you have to sort of know the Hebrew a little bit. That Esau, Esau, he sold his birthright, but have Israel sold here their Bechira. Their, their um, freedom of choice. Okay, so so is that what it came down to that 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 the Haredim were that their freedom of choice was taken away from them as it were by being bribed by a bowl of charm? Is that is that what it came down to? I mean, I hope not, but that seems awfully scary. That they even mention this. And and on the back of this journal article that appeared in Arutz Sheva just a few days ago talking about you know the, the, the diets among in, in this population you know is conducive to obesity anemia diabetes uh and probably high blood pressure all of which or most of which are um, risk factors for covid so if you're really interested in the health of the haredi population why are you giving them cholent right that could that could enhance these conditions that can enhance their covid why are you not giving them vitamin d why aren't you not counseling on on exercise and and diet and providing the, the tools to do so okay so 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 yes it might sound very altruistic that they went to the Haredi population they did all these wonderful things but really it seems like it was all done for the purpose of vaccination and not because they had anyone's real health um interest in mind that that's that that's the message i'm seeing from this so that's pretty scary and then of course you've seen this article from rabbi about rabbi kenieski that uh that's that's uh ordered according to the translation to suspend teachers who have been not not been vaccinated was he told any of this by this health minister or this health rep- health well believe uh, it or not
0: R- rav Kanyevsky is a very very um uh, first of all, for those who are unfamiliar, he is like the number one rabbi of the old, in, who's looked up to in the part of the ultra-Orthodox community, where they wait to hear what their head rabbi has to say before they decide what to do. So whatever he says is gold, and if he says to take a shot, they will take the shot. Um, but a, a video is a, a video of a meeting between some health practitioner and Rav Kanievsky's daughter is uh was produced and making the rounds and it's basically a health practitioner telling the rev daughter rebbe and and that uh people are getting injured and dying from the shot you have to get information to your father not uh not to just uh, have people stop taking the shot and the daughter of daughter and this is back in july okay this is a while ago said straight out in this recorded audio My father is not well. He doesn't even recognize me. Um, So everything going out in the name of Rav Kanievsky regarding the shot has to be extremely, extremely uh, questioned. Because usually when issues are brought before big rabbis, they are asked a lot of questions. They write out their explanations and finalizing what their conclusion is based on them understanding all the information And in this case, all of this looks like one big PR effort. And just that this Rav Konevsky says yes to this, yes to that, without any explanations, without any dealing of of the very real questions that many of his followers have based on this issue. And then on top of that, hearing his own daughter say that he's not well, that he doesn't even recognize her, really questions how much he's even with it. And if he's really, if if he's really, uh has all the information before he's being saying uh, what he's quite, saying yeah. or if he's being just told to say right. what to say for the whole pr campaign about right. the
1: show. I mean, this is, this is i mean we're talking about a giant 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 of rabbis i mean there's no question about it A holy 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 man i can't you you can't even begin to quantify that um and 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 it, it, it's completely tragic that he, he appears to be abused here which is which is the worst kind of abuse in, in a certain sense and, and 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 what he has to say is not just affects jews in israel but around the world right and 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 and, and, and it's just it, it just it's just completely tragic and and met at so many levels right so um just if it can't get any worse this is the new news that this new drug mole new piravir is gonna be uh, discussed at an FDA meeting on Tuesday. And these are the comments of, of a Dr. William Hasseltine, who is a, a no lightweight by any stretch of the imagination. He was named as one of the 100 most influential leaders in biotech by Scientific American several years ago, Emeritus Professor of Harvard Biochemical Pharmacology. He headed up a company called the Human Genome Sciences, which was cutting edge stuff on a genome, we're talking about cutting edge, you know, major, major heavyweight scientists. <clears throat> and he's and he's written these things in Forbes magazine, that the um that the UK approval of this drug recently could create more and dangerous variants. And 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 um and and they and the FDA needs to be very careful for mutagenicity cancer reasons, as well as these, that, that, that this drug by virtue of it, how it works. Could actually um, uh, encourage the production of more variants that are going to be more and more virulent with less and less uh, susceptibility to the vaccines. <clears throat> and I just want to sort of end here a little bit. The, the, the word vaccine comes from the word cow because of the experiments done by Edward Jenner nearly t- more than 200 years ago, uh, showing that milkmaids who were exposed to cowpox. Uh, actually had some kind of immunity against smallpox. And this is really, even though there was other kinds of vaccination that did occur before this, this was sort of got it on the map. Um, And so the word vaccine comes from the word cow, the Latin word cow. And so um, we Jews don't do very well with things to do with cows generally. And so there's this pasuk, this verse from the book of Hosea, which was in the Haftorah, the reading from the prophets a week ago the people who kiss cows are like sacrificing humans we're kissing the vaccine we're worshiping the vaccine and so by worshiping the vaccine kissing the vaccine kissing the cows as it were it's as if we're sacrificing humans and everything we have said today sort of comports with that but here's um, we're going to go into Hanukkah it may be almost Hanukkah now so as you go into Hanukkah in in a few hours, or not even, we're going to sing this uh, very famous uh, hymn called Mawatzor. And 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 the different verses talk about different exiles of our history. And this verse talks about the exile of Egypt and, and paro, pharaoh, which interesting paro, para, bad cow, I suppose, you could make a play on words there. But it talks about the Malkus Egla, the, the kingdom of the cow, the kingdom of the calf, right? That the Egypt is referred to the kingdom of the calf for ver- for various reasons. So so we want to have freedom from the we're we're in the we're in the kingdom of the calf, the kingdom of the vaccine right now. You see that the vaccine of the calf, we're in the kingdom of the vaccine, <clears throat> and so we're going to say this Alanisian prayer in our different prayers. That, that that God should masar to that He's gonna He's gonna uh, hand over the the mighty, biad chalashim the people like us the little guys who are doing this work and getting rejected and getting censored, right? And He's gonna hand over the rabbim the the majority of the people who are following this nonsense biad matim in the hands of the few, and and so as we go into Hanukkah, I think I think it's a it's um it's something that we need to uh, Take into account. So uh please God that should be able to fill out our prayer for this Hanukkah. We should be filled, freed from the shibut, the enslavement to the Malfut Egla, the, the kingdom, the domain of the vaccine. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh David, thank you so much for that very, very comprehensive uh presentation. I had some people ask me if they can. They can actually see the presentation themselves. They, they they've saw part of the video, but is it possible to have access to the presentation to send to people or post together with it?
1: Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna uh, post the video up on your website, right? They can they can re- look the whole. Yeah, video yeah, yeah. Up. I'm saying people have yeah. also asked just to have. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, well. I'll send you the I'll send you the slides. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, post Dave, it David, thank you very, very much for this really uh, very deep and thorough analysis of the data and with your expertise i hope uh, some people uh will listen and begin to think more and analyze more the information and official information we are being told to make more better informed consent decisions for themselves and for their children so thank you very very much
1: thank you uh Hanukkah.
0: And, Sameach, David. and everybody, uh you mind taking it off of the off of the yeah. screen share? Sure. Yep. Yep. Everybody, I wanted to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pulse of Israel. This was something uh unique. Uh, here you have an inside view into the, the machinations and the analysis of data of what goes into uh, coming up with the decisions and analyzing the decisions from pharmaceutical companies to be able to get authorization from the FDA and the CDC, etc. cetera, from uh, someone who experienced this, who lived this, who has been living this specifically regarding the anal- uh, analyzing the data regarding covid and the COVID-19 shots. Uh, I hope you you get a lot out of this. And if you did, then please share this video with everyone to hopefully make an impact so people can make better decisions. Thanks for watching, signing off for another episode of the Pulse of Israel. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.